0: the batman universe comic podcast hey this is scott snyder
1: hi this is denny o'neill my name is neil
0: Adams. this is paul dini hi my name is dandy deal this is kevin conroy
1: hey this is francis
2: maniple
0: hi this is jim lee and you're listening to the batman universe comic podcast Podcast episode number one sixty five. I'm your host Dustin, and as always, I have with me. This is Ed, and this is Stella, and we are bringing you nothing but all of the news coming from right before Comic Con, at Comic Con, and right after Comic Con. We are recording this, which I never say, but we are recording this on July fifteenth. As there's been some news that also came out the week, uh, you know, the few days after Comic Con as well. Which I I'm just going to say this up front. You know, we made our predictions on the last episode about what we were expecting to hear about. I don't think any of us expected to get as much information as we got. Um, as you're listening to this, where this episode is a week earlier than everyone was probably waiting for because I told you you know, two weeks ago that it would be three weeks before you'd hear us again. But with all of the news, I figured, well, we may as well do a special episode just for all this news because there is literally so much of it. So like I said, there's a little bit of news that happened right before a ridiculous amount right after, you know, during San Diego Comic-Con. And then right after we have the solicits and a couple of other little small discussions that we're going to have. So Let's jump straight into it. So the first thing we've got is on July 1st, it was revealed by Francis Manipool that he is, in fact, leaving Detective Comics. Now, we talked about this before. We said that it was very likely that it was going to happen, and he actually confirmed – Uh, uh, via his Twitter account, he said a couple of months ago, I made the hard decision to walk away from detective comics in order to pursue these new projects. I love writing Bruce and Harvey's adventures with my best friend, Brian Buccioletto. Much thanks goes out to DC for giving me, giving us the opportunity. It's not, it's not typical to announce when someone leaves, but I didn't want you all to be blindsided by seeing my name everywhere else. But detective comics, um, so then he went on to clarify to Newsrama that he outlined issues 41 through 44 and plotted the first, the two issues. But was plotting and scripting the latter two issues on his own before leaving the title himself. Uh, DC did not announce who's taking over Detective Comics when this obviously was announced. Um, but he did say that he has some big projects over the next couple of years. He will be reuniting with an old friend, a creator-owned book, as well as an original graphic novel. Now, just to skip forward a little bit it, he actually it was announced that he's actually going to be working on the uh, Earth One Aquaman gra- graphic novel that's going to come out sometime in the near future he has some other projects but that's the main one from DC that he's going to be working on so you know we as we had already said we we thought this was happening we wish both him and Brian Buccioletto the best uh it also unfortunately was announced that Buccioletto's other book Injustice Gods Among Us, uh, year four is also ending, uh, happens to be ending in the last issue is going to come out in October as well. So Buccioletto is going to be freed up with some space uh, to do something else too. No word on what exactly he's going to be doing yet either. So that's what we have for that. Uh, we'll get to who was announced for Detective Comics in a little bit. Next, on July 6th, DC announced a bunch of new miniseries that are going to be starting coming this January. Now, the funny thing about this is this is actually one of the things that we, well, I believe, I can't remember if it was just me or if more than one of us predicted, but we predicted in the last episode when we were talking about things that they were possibly going to announce in San Diego, we talked about the fact that there was a potential of seeing some more miniseries. We know that some of these miniseries that are currently happening right now are, you know, they're only six issues and they're going to be running until basically December is the last month that I believe their are their last issue. And then it opens up some time. So DC's not wasting any time. USA Today announced that in January, DC Comics will be launching a number of new miniseries. One of the miniseries will actually focus on Poison Ivy. It will be called Poison Ivy Cycle of Life and Death and it will be written by Amy Chu. There's a little bit more information released in regards to it. She says that the Batman villainous is a really new direction. Uh, Bob Harris said about it, Bob Harris being one of the editors of DC. He says it's an, and it's a fun twist on her character and where she going, where she's going to go. Chu finds Poison Ivy, a fascinating, complicated character with incredible fan base. We know her. But we really don't know her. There's so much opportunity to build her world without the burden of continuity. And let's face it, writing villains is more fun. Taking a big role in the DCU is also a very personal challenge for Chu. My grandfather was a doctor in Hong Kong back in the 50s, and apparently he was a huge DC fan. The writer adds for years, he would have comics shipped to his office from the US. So for me to be writing comics today, and especially DC comics, is something, some kind of crazy karma. Um, some of the other limited series include Swamp Thing, Metal Men, Raven, Firestorm, Katana, Metamorpho, and Sugar and Spike. So, uh, those are what's coming. Now, what's slightly interesting about a lot of these series is, you, if you remember the, in the last episode also, we were talking about Convergence. Stella mentioned that, you know, DC, you know, had some of these old creators for some of the classic characters on some of the titles. And, you know, she mentioned, you know, there were some writers who were, you know, the classic writers for some of these characters and some of them were not. And it seemed to at least us and the majority of the fans, that the ones that were more successful were the ones that were, in fact, written by some of the more classic creators. Now, interestingly enough, some of these uh, the, these miniseries are actually going to be written by some of the classic creators, Len Wine, who's best known for his work on Swamp Thing, is going to be writing the Swamp Thing miniseries. Marv Wolfman, who's best known for his work on Teen Titans, is going to be ra- writing the Raven one. Gary Conway is going to be writing the Firestorm one, and Mike Barr is going to be writing Katana. All of those creators have worked with those characters in the past, and they're going to be doing their own miniseries. So that's interesting in and of itself because, again, it seems like Convergence was sort of a litmus paper for what works and what doesn't.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think this only makes sense. I know we don't get to say that a whole lot when we talk about some of the stuff, but this makes good sense. Pair the characters with people that know them. Um, and like this poison ivy is a perfect example of something that people may feel we have beat to death, but I'm going to beat the horse again for a couple minutes, you know? Lol. I know. I, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know if we, if I'd want a poison ivy ongoing, I'd be like, eh, but a, a six issue miniseries, I think it's, I, I will definitely be, lining up to read it and, and be pressuring Dustin to make us talk about it on the podcast. So, um yeah, I think I think this is really cool, and I think they've done a really good job here pairing up the artists and creators and giving us some six-issue miniseries to really
2: look forward to. Yeah, and it's interesting because I feel like some of these, and it's funny because Ed said, you know, I don't know if this could go on, and you do have Katana, which we haven't really seen her outside of Birds of Prey, and there's no Outsiders book. So I I'm also wondering if this is a bit of a litmus test to see Either which of these could be an ongoing, which I don't know how much Ivy could, you know, be a headline. So I don't know if they are leading us to to believe that an Outsider's book is coming. But there you go.
0: But the thing is, in my mind, I mean, I don't know that it's that they're looking to see which one of these will be successful enough to have an ongoing. Because the one thing that I think is slightly interesting about this is that when you look at the miniseries that they currently are releasing right now, June through December. You know, we've got another Harley Quinn one, we've got Batmite. There's a bunch of different, you know, different types of books when it comes to these miniseries. And... It's interesting because none of those are obviously getting picked up immediately. Obviously, there's still time before solicitations for January come out where if these books are really popular, they could end up becoming an ongoing, I guess, or they could just, you know, start a new series with it, those characters being an ongoing. I don't know that the direction that they're specifically going is that, you know, they're trying to use these miniseries as a litmus paper specifically because I th- I feel like they're they're they know that these characters can't hold their own books. Swamp Thing is a good example because Swamp Thing had its own book. Snyder did it when the New Fifty Two started. He left the book. The sales kind of plummeted, and then uh, I believe Charles Soule was on the book for a while, and he he you know the book ended I think at like issue twenty four to thirty somewhere right around there. So I mean like they know that you know these characters aren't necessarily. Popular enough to, to last, but by giving them a six-issue miniseries, it's a commitment on DC's part that, hey, we will do this for the six issues. These six issues will happen. And like I said before, I like that because we can get stuff off, you know, that isn't necessarily – Metamorpho is never going to have his own title. Uh, In the history of Metamorpho, I think he's had two miniseries in the past. Uh, There was a Metamorpho Year One I believe it was five issues and there was a a metamorphal one earlier from early, late eighties, I believe that was like four issues, but he's never going to have an ongoing firestorm is another perfect example. He had an ongoing at the beginning of the new 52. It didn't work, didn't work at all. So they, you know, they're they're doing something different. I think it's a smart way to go. All right. So moving on, the next thing we've got actually comes from San Diego. The very first thing that DC did. Uh, or announced at uh, Comic-Con was they, re- they revealed a little bit more details about the Dark Knight Returns sequel, the Dark Knight 3, The Master Race. Uh, co- co-writers Frank Miller and Brian Azarello will be joined by veteran Batman artist Andy Kubert and Klaus Jansen. In addition to the quartet, readers can look forward to various other DC creators having a hand in Dark Knight 3. DC is teasing that each issue will contain a 16-page dark Knight universe mini comic. These comics will feature a rotating team of creators, exploring various characters and conflicts in Miller's Batman universe. Uh, Dan DiDio went on to say, we went into, no- into this knowing that we had to give fans more. Uh, we were, we we're pulling all the stops out to deliver an amazing conclusion to this exciting body of work. We hope it inspires the next generation of writers and artists the way it already has inspired us. Um, but basically, the idea of this mini-comic, uh, I was reading online a little bit more details about this. The mini-comic is actually going to not necessarily be part of it. It's not going to be like a backup story or something like that. It's actually going to be another comic inside of the comic cut slightly smaller in size of the normal comic book where it will be its own standalone story dealing with these other characters that exist in, at the same time of the Dark Knight universe. So also worth noting is that Andy Kubert and Claus Jansen, they're they're not going to be doing all of the art. This the the initial press announcement that DC sent out was kind of kind of uh hazy as far as what exactly these two artists were going to be working on. Um they we we, we don't know anything about the plot as of right now, um, but we have some rumors out there that say the series will jump farther into the future and focus on an aging Carrie Kelly as she seeks her replacement, much as an older Batman once recruited her in the original Dark Knight Returns. But this is, I mean, like if it's set that far into the future, I mean, how old would Bruce Wayne be then? Honestly?
1: Well, do you think there's any chance they do this book before we have anything else about this comment? You think any chance of this book with Bruce being dead with him not being in at all?
0: I mean it's entirely possible. I mean I guess in some ways if he was dead, I think that would
1: be kind of It's a terrible thing to happen off page, right? Well I mean
0: yeah, it would be a terrible thing to happen off page, but I think my concern with it with with Bruce not being in the book or Batman not being in the book or I guess Carrie Kelly being Batman if she assumes that role once Bruce dies or something, I guess. That would be slightly odd. I mean, that's obviously a rumor as far as what's going to happen in the book. We we have no idea. But to me, it's just it, – it would be slightly odd for Bruce Wayne not to be in the book at all.
1: Yeah. I mean and, – and I also – along the same vein, I don't know how interesting the book would be if Bruce is hospitalized or in bed the entire time. If he's extremely old, you know? Yeah. Um, or like Batman
0: Beyond style where he's just –
1: A hobbling around. A cane. Yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah so – I mean maybe you have Carrie, you know, not till in the future, maybe Bruce has got some bionic implants or something. Um I don't know. I, I I'm really not sure that other thing is did you see anywhere in the news, and Stella you were out there, did we see anything it's about the format that they're gonna be doing this in? Is it gonna be like it, a It's a mini series.
0: It I mean, is um late fall twenty fifteen. Run for eight monthly issues. So late fall is probably November, so it's probably coming out in November.
1: So this will be something that's coming out later in the year and the only thing I'd like to have them do, and this is the completest in me that is going to say this, I really wish that when they published this, they actually publish it as like the old prestige format that the first two were in, so that they would all look right next to each other. I know that's kind of nitpicky, but I really wish they would. But other than that, I think we're just going to have to play a waiting game, because I think we've heard so much stuff about this book. And obviously, it was being passed around the DC offices for a while, because remember there was that rumor about Snyder for a while as well? Um, so obviously this was being passed around for a while. So I think there could be us getting different stuff from different, you know, as it was being passed around the office, a lot of people may have had an idea. And I think until we get a solicit, um, we might be in the dark a little bit.
0: And like you said, who knows? I mean, maybe because Snyder was, you know, briefly rumored to be possibly attached to this as well, maybe he ends up writing one of these Dark Knight Universe mini comic stories, I mean, that's entirely yeah, no, possible too. Yeah, it, I mean, it's there's super this awesome. is, I mean, because this is like basically this 30th anniversary of Dark Knight Returns, I mean, basically there's the opportunity to have tons of creators, you know, get their little two cents into the universe by writing small stories in these 16 pages in each issue. So I think, I mean, we'll have to wait and see late fall 2015 is when it's says it's that's when they said it's supposed to release originally when it was announced back at C2E2, it was announced. It was told we were told that it was coming out in October and then it didn't get it in the solicit. So it's probably coming out in November and they just adjusted it for whatever reason. So we'll, we'll see the solicit probably next month, but that's the master race for you. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I I'm not gonna get, I'm not, I, yeah, I, I can't get over the title either. Oh, Alright, so moving right along. <laughs> the next thing we've got is probably the biggest news coming out, but it was news that we probably, we, we all were pretty much thinking was going to happen. Um, on July 10th at Comic-Con, DC announced both Batman Eternal Volume 2 plus, uh, a crossover event called Robin Moore. Um, Batman Eternal Volume 2 is actually entitled Batman and Robin Eternal. Um, it starts in October. Um, various contributors for the project include Scott Sire and James Tynion as the lead showrunners with, uh, Tim Seeley. Genevieve Valentine, Steve Orlando, and some on uh, newcoming writers when it comes to the Batman Universe, Ed Brisson and Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly. Tony Daniel will be the initial artist on the book with uh, Paul Pelletier and Scott Eaton also is illustrating later on. Now, there's not a whole lot of details about the book itself. Uh, we do know that it focuses on the Robins. Um, as Batman is still missing in action at this point in time. Um, the cover, they released the cover for the first issue and the cover showcases Scarecrow on one side of it. So we're led to believe that Scarecrow is somehow involved in this. Um, Bluebird, Red Robin, Red Hood, and Dick Grayson are also featured on the cover. Uh, what we were basically told is that the, this story honors the legacy of Robin. It deals with Dick Grayson's past and present. The story is set to also reintroduce Cassandra Kane into the DC Universe. Uh, they specifically said, this is a character that, for me at least, I have loved for my entire, I have loved for my entire comic reading life, Tinian said. We have the opportunity to bring her back in a very, very central role. And, uh, she will be one of the three main characters in the story alongside Dick Grayson and Harper Rowe. Uh, Batman and Robin will run for only six months beginning October 7th, and the series will only run 26 issues rather than the previous 52 issues. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more details about the, the, the solicitations when we get to them, um, as we know a little bit more, but let's talk about Batman Eternal,
1: Batman and Robin Eternal first before we talk about Robin more. Well, two things. One, it's nice to see that Mr. Tinian and Snyder have indeed been listening to the podcast and, and have taken our advice on making it half the size of Eternal. Um, mm. I, actually, all the, all the joking aside though, I'm really glad that, like, it, it's nice to see when they get it right. And, and that was something we all said was Eternal was cool, but it was just too long, you know? Um, and I'm glad to see they learned from their mistake because what I would hate to see was another 52 issue story where we had 25 issues that was too much, you know? Um, so I'm really glad that they've shortened it down here. Um, the Cassandra Kane thing being not just reintroduced, but being one of the leads in the story was probably some of the more surprising news of, of, of Comic-Con weekend for me. I'm really glad she's coming back. We have no idea what version of her we're going to get here, of course, but I'm glad she's coming back. But I did think it was very strange that when they talked about the three focal characters being Cass, Dick Grayson, and Harper Rowe... This being a celebration of the Robins, I was really surprised that it wasn't Tim or Damien or even Jason that was going to be the other, fe- the other featured characters, or even Stephanie for that matter. There was going to be Harper. Now everyone knows I like Harper, but I think if you're doing a celebration of the Robins, I would prefer the, the central character to be a Robin. So.
2: I almost wonder, so in the, uh, the panel I was at for, uh, DC Comics Upstarts, um, where where this was talked about a little bit, it was let slip. I don't know if it was a slip, but it, it certainly wasn't talked about anywhere else. The fact that part of this takes place in the past. Um, and so I'm almost wondering if this is going to be like a past, present, future situation where in the past you've got Dick and Bruce going around because a big part of it is seeing what uh, this I guess this big case happens and then some original Batman villain that has ties to one of these first cases that Dick was on with Batman reappears and so you're you're looking at past adventures between Batman and Robin and present ones and and I don't know if you know something in the future will pop up uh, but, you know, it is good to hear that Cassandra's coming back and uh, Donovan and and I talked to Mark Doyle a little bit uh, off <laughs> off the record on, you know, Cass. And uh, you, it, it's good to hear that some things weren't a lie and that DC really was waiting for the proper time and a time that Cass would fit to actually bring her back into the status quo and that these people are really fans of her. So I'm hoping, of course, that she won't come back as a villain which happened prior to this um, and, and you know we talked about the fist of Kane. that popped up in Batman Eternal and it's also something that has been popping up in Grayson and I feel like there's going to be some tie to that though I don't know what it could be but I feel like these worlds may be colliding somehow uh, but Harper you know she's been in the background she's not really a Robin but I think it's about time to start shoving her back down our throat right Dustin? No, I'm just kidding, I like Harper. <laughs> but no, I, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I'm glad, it's funny because when I was talking to Tom King and Tim Seeley, uh, Tim Seeley described this as, as a, a distinct and succinct story. And I think that it's gonna pack a punch and I'm glad that it's half of what the other length was because I feel like they're gonna know what immediately needs to be told and how to tell it in order to use that time wisely. And I think that's one of our problems with Batman Eternal is that it seemed like they were purposely adding story elements in order to stretch it out for 52 issues. And I think with 26, it's really going to, I think it's going to be fast moving and I think it will be, uh, better. So it seems like perhaps they're learning from what they did with the internal volume one and, and they'll be making those changes. So I'm, I'm excited about this. I think that this will be good.
0: I also saw not necessarily from the, uh, the upstarts panel, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but I also saw Talks about the 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 past and it deals with the past and my understanding of the plot, which I'm sure and I hate to I don't even really want to talk about this for too long just because we're gonna I'm gonna run over some of the solicitations when it comes to Batman and Robin Eternal. When we get to the solicitations, but my understanding is that there's a case that pops up that that Dick is made to believe that this is something that happened when he was Robin, but Batman's not around. As we know, Batman's dead. There's nowhere that Dick can go to have it confirmed. There's no one that can say, no, this isn't true. This, this is true. There's no knowledge of what this is. And ultimately what ends up happening is they have to investigate as themselves, the Bat family, the, you know, the Robins, they have to team up in some way to deal with this case because they don't have the support of Batman and they don't have the past knowledge that Batman would be able to provide. So. We'll talk more about that when we get to the solicitations. Let's talk about this other thing, Robin Moore. Now, the at the same press event that the that that was announced, there was a crossover event that was announced for December of this year called Robin Moore, which will occur over the five weeks of the month in the pages of Gotham Academy. We are Robin, Robin, son of Batman, and two one shot issues by gracing co writer Tom Tom King, um, which will start and end the event. King made it clear that he is not shying away from the crossover label when talking about the Robin war. This is an event. He said, this is a crossover. I grew up on inferno and I grew up on extinction agenda. I love those comics. I want to do that. Um Specifically um, that that's, that's the basis of everything that's, that was announced. Now the only other news related to Robin war to talk about is that The cover, well, the promo art that they showed off Robin Moore, which I'm assuming is the cover art to one of the one-shots, shows Damien standing on one side and all of the We Are Robin characters, including Duke Thomas, on the other side appearing as if they're going to battle each other. Now, throughout the course of Comic-Con, Stella interviewed a number of creators, which We'll get to a lot of those in a minute. But talking about this project specifically, some of uh, Lieber Mayhoes doing the We Are Robin one and Stella asked, you know, how does uh, We Are Robin fit into Batman and Robin Eternal? And they said it doesn't. It's only going to fit into the Robin more. And the same thing is being said about Robin, Robin sort of Batman. It's not necessarily fitting into what's happening with Batman and Robin directly, but it will directly tie into what's happening with Robin more. So it's interesting to see that even though whatever was decided for Batman and Robin Eternal, they decided that they're still going to do something with all of these other Robins that are out there, whether or not they'll eventually get pulled into Batman and Robin Eternal, who knows. But for now, the gist of the characters that aren't being a main focus in Batman and Robin Eternal as, that are that are currently in books right now as Robin characters will be a part of the Robin War. Um, now, no word on what's going to be going on with Red Hood, who has his own book, who is not tied into this at all other than showing up on the cover of Batman and Robin Eternal, and no word on Tim Drake, Red Robin, who's also uh, not tied in in any way except
1: for on the cover. So as far as
0: Robin War, thoughts on Robin War?
1: I think that uh, if some of the stuff I've read about it online is correct, it sounds like that this will be Dam- Damien going to beat up all the people that are acting like they're Robin, which could be a very interesting thing to see, to be totally honest with you. Um, I don't understand why this isn't going to be wrapped into the... Ba- I guess they're just trying to keep the storylines totally separate, which I can kind of understand. Um, but having Gotham Academy mix in with this, um, it's kind of curious for me. I, I'm, I'm, I think it'll be okay, but... It's it's weird again how the Damien stuff is still getting like we're doing a Batman and Robin Eternal, but Damien is still kinda of being like, Ah, eh, well you can come and go over here and do your own little thing. Um I think it'd be better if it was just all one one thing and everyone was mixed in, but um it should be promising and, and I think that too by that point we are Robin maybe starting to suffer a little bit on On the sales aspect, and this can be a way to drag, drag readers back to it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because you think about it, like, what do all of these have in common? And, and honestly, with, besides being in the Batman universe, not as much. And I was looking at a, at an interview, and with, you know, with the creators of what R.R. Robin is going to be, unless it was the interview I did. I can't remember. (laughs) Everything points together. But, you know, what do these things have in common? Not a lot. I think it's absolutely sales. Gotham Academy is in no way suffering from sales. People have latched onto that thing because it's amazing. So I think it's really to protect We Are Robin. Who knows how people are receiving We Are Robin and who knows how people are receiving Damien Son of Batman since we've only had one issue. I guess now two of these. So I really do think that if this is a, you know, a big event that everything's tying in together, that people who are reading Gotham Academy and love it feel the need to pick up these other ones. is ba- I really do think it's about sales. But if they want a huge shake up, then something big's about- I mean, something big should drop, but who knows what it is. And it's funny because I haven't read Gotham Academy number 8 yet, but in issue 7, I mean, we talked about it on the previous, uh, comic cast, Damien was in there and I mean, I think we were both shocked and like super excited about him being in there when we saw him in issue 6 and we had Convergence. We had issue 7, Damien, but he's in there and then expelled in the same issue, so I don't know if they're going to be bringing him back somehow. So I guess there is a connection. I lied. Something is connecting them all, but I I honestly don't know what this war, what Robin war has to hold for us.
0: Now, still, I don't, you know, wish to you know, Uh-oh. call call you out on crazy things, but when you say that yeah, you uh, Gotham, yeah, well, okay, maybe <laughs> I do. But when you say Gotham Academy is is not suffering from sales, I don't think that's necessarily oh, yeah, true. Now, here's the thing: quarter. I'm not going to deny that you know it's critically praised, and I'm not going to yeah. deny that there's fans who have really latched onto it because I think uh-huh. that is true for both of them. But at the same time. The actual sales numbers for June for the issue that just came out uh last month, issue number seven, was only about 26,000. Now, that's actually sl- just under – it was at the 98th spot for the month. Catwoman was at 97. Gotham by midnight was at number 110. But the majority of these – and well, I mean like looking at these, it's kind of crazy mm-hmm. looking at the, the rankings. Not necessarily the numbers but the rankings and then nobody looks at the rankings but – Looking at the rankings, backrolls is at all the way up in the 70s, which to me is kind of nuts because it never really was that, that high in the rankings. But Backroll is selling about, uh, about 9,000 more copies than Gotham Academy, which is, is actually not that bad for Gotham Academy when you're thinking about it. And 33,000 issues of, of, uh, Backroll is not, is not anything to scoff at either. But as Ed said on the last episode, anything that is getting right around that, Low twenty range mm-hmm. is is you know is right there to be, you know, slashed off. Gotham Close. by Midnight is basically at twenty-two. You know, it's only a matter of time before that eventually happens. I mean, like nothing bad about the book. I've loved the book, and there's a bunch of other books that are down here at the the low end of the sales numbers that are really good. But the the important thing is if they can tie it into an event, and I don't think it's necessarily true that Gotham Academy is part of this because of that. And I don't think that, you know, I, I mean I, I believe that Robinson of Batman and We Are Robin are directly tied to it. But We Are Robin actually had fifty one thousand issues sold for its first issue, which is kind of nuts, uh for a brand new series. Um I mean that's almost right on par with detective comics, honestly. Um for the month of June. So I mean, like it could just be because it was number one. Who knows? It actually sold more issues than Batman Superman last month. But anyway, it could be because it's number one. It might not be. But the reality of it is that it could who knows? The the reality is we are Robin. We said it, it feels like it has an expiration date from the very beginning. Robin, son of Batman, could have an expiration date. But it might not because, honestly, whether Batman comes back or not, they don't have to go back to the route to Batman Robin. They could just have Robin have his own book, as we had for 20-plus years. You know, it's entirely possible. Gotham Academy doesn't feel like it has an expiration date because it's not tied into a specific event that's going on. These We Are Robin characters are popping up because Bruce Wayne has gone away. So, eventually, when Bruce Wayne comes back, what would keep these characters from sticking around? It's the same thing as like Talon and uh, the other one – Uh well, Batwing to a degree. I mean like it's the same way. Like you don't know what their direction is that they're going. So that being said, for Robin Moore, I think the – it is going to be just basically – I, I distinctly remember reading – or listening to Stella's interview with Tom King, and he described it as an action-adventure movie. This w- w- is what h- would happen if he was going to be writing an action-adventure ad- movie where it dealt with um, all of the Robins in a giant fight scene. How Gotham Academy ties into that is probably going to be the most interesting thing for me because other than Damien randomly appearing last month, it, has had, it's, it doesn't have a whole lot of ties to the Batman universe other than just existing inside of... The Batman universe. All right. So moving on from there, the next bit of news we have comes on July 10th. Also, uh, on July 10th, Jeff Johns announced that he is, that there is going to be a new, uh, a series, a new mini series that will tie into his epic Justice League storyline, the Dark Side War. It's called Justice League Gods and Men, not to be confused with Gods and Monsters. Uh, these sticks. These six standalone issues will spotlight different characters impacted by the escalating war between Darkseid and the Anti-Monitor. Uh, it will, it will be, it is a series of six single issues, even though it is one mini-series, um, dealing with the characters, including Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, Lex Luthor, Flash, and Shazam. Um, Now, the Batman description says, armed with the godlike power of the Mobius Chair, the Dark Knight has taken the role of Metreon and plans to use the infinite knowledge of the device to turn Gotham City into a completely crime-free zone. So, if there was any doubt that this could potentially be happening while everything in the Batman books are happening, I think at this point you can say it's not.
1: Uh, but if you read Justice League Forty Two, I mean, I think that already established that this is totally going different directions. Um, and again, my biggest comment on this, because I really don't know what to make about all of this, is that Jeff Johns must like get no sleep. I don't know how he does all this stuff. I mean, seriously, this just, just, is just the amount of stuff. Like, if you took a pad and paper and wrote down everything that Jeff Johns was going to be doing after Comic Con, it'd be more than most people could handle in a couple years. Um, but you know, I think if 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 Dark Side War is good. Then I think these will be good. Uh, but if if, it, if this event falls flat, then I think this will fall flat. But yeah, the the continuity is is definitely out the window. If you if you've read even 42 today, some of the stuff that's going on just does just cannot align with current continuity in any way. And yeah. but I mean current continuity, I mean bat books continuity. And I don't
0: think they have any intention of lining it up. I mean nope. I think that's part of the reason why they had they you know they were so adamant about saying the continuity that story trumps continuity back in you know, before Convergence happened, was they, you know, they probably figured this was going to happen, and well, they knew it was going to happen, obviously, but they were sitting there thinking, like, there's no way to explain this, we're not even going to try to explain it, so...
1: So this means, like, just in current continuity, we have the Bat books in their own continuity and Justice League in their own content, I mean, so they're all just, like, in in bubble universes now, right?
0: Yeah, pretty much, I mean, they're all, I mean, the weird part, the slightly weird part is the Batman-Superman book, because... Superman's happening, obviously, in its own little bubble too. But the Batman Superman book is basically tying those two bubbles together, um, because it's that you know everything that's happening in Superman obviously isn't happening in the continuity that's happening in Justice League either. So it's almost as if the intent is everybody has their own little bubbles, except for to a degree, I guess, because. I don't read Superman Wonder Woman, but I'm wondering if the same thing's happening in that book where Superman, you know, everybody knows who Superman yeah, is. Yeah, I know
1: that I actually did read that I am reading that fun up and it's part of the truth storyline.
0: Yeah, so I mean like maybe everything that is happening is happening except for the Just League stuff is by itself, Just Living America's as we know is out by itself, and then we have everything else just happening as it is. Maybe that's how it's how they're explaining. It. But they're not explaining because they don't want to explain and they have no intention to. All right. So, also on July 10th, it was announced that there are going to be monster variant covers for October. Surprise, surprise! Monster covers for the month of October. I'm um, just running down the Bat books that will have monster variants very quickly. Batman number 45, Batman Beyond number five, Batman Superman number 25, Black Canary number five, Catwoman number 45, Detective Comics number 45, Gracie number 13. Harley Quinn number 21, Justice League number 45, JLA number 5, Robin Son of Batman number 5, and New Suicide Squad number 13, as well as Teen Titans number 13. Now surprisingly, I, and I, we were also talking about variant covers on the last episode, and I have to say this, okay, when you look at some of these variant covers, the fact that like Catwoman is you know, so far down on the uh, sales. I mean, it's literally right there with Gotham Academy, low twenties. The fact that they're still doing variant covers for Catwoman is interesting because you don't tend, normally, now this is obviously different because this was back when they had the one in tens and the one in 25 variant covers. Variant covers were books that you knew were going to sell really well that people would always order. Now that we know that these, these special variant themes that they're doing every single month, it doesn't matter how good the sales are because they're not necessarily producing more issues or only allowing retailers to order so many of these variant covers because they could have either one because of the same price. So but to have Catwoman, which is so far down, or to have Cyborg announced as having a uh, a variant cover and his his series hasn't even started yet, it's just mind boggling to me as to how they warrant some of these titles to have their own variant covers.
1: I won't get up on my soapbox for long, but uh, I think this has to go to, and and I hate to make this kind of circular argument again, but I think this is a lot like the argument we had about continuity, right guys? Like We had to accept that continuity had changed as a basic function, and I think in the world of printing, we have to accept that the variant cover basic function has changed. It's no longer just for special stuff, it's for No, I'm not. No, 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 no. I'm not
0: saying it's for special stuff. I'm saying for high selling books. Oh no, I don't. I don't understand why books that are, you know, at that range where we know DC normally slices books and says it's done. I don't understand why books are that are that in that area are still getting variant covers. Oh, because they don't have a hat. That's what's odd to me. Well, I don't believe that because Catwoman has been. Look at, look at Catwoman. She had, she's had variant covers for like an extended amount of time, but she's still been in that range ever since after Eternal. I mean, well, I mean, it's basically ever since, since Eternal the and, and yeah. she, and she had the creator change, the, you know, the book was already really low on sales. They did a creator change, bumped the sales up a little bit, but not that much. And now it's just steadied out right at that cut range. So the fact that they continue to have variant covers for that book, I mean that's not the only one. I mean I'm looking at this list and and it had like Teen Titans. Teen Titans doesn't sell that well.
2: Yeah, I really don't think they would cancel Catwoman though.
0: Well, I would. I would. I would hope they wouldn't. I mean I I, enjoy. I
2: just just think it's one of those that the title alone is going to make them very nervous to cancel it. See, so I, they'll do anything they can without doing that.
1: See, I think Stella's right. I think there's certain books, and that's kind of what I was, I was trying to get at, but Stella said it a lot better than I did. Like Green Lantern, Green Arrow, uh, Catwoman, like some of these that have bad-ish sales numbers, I don't think they'd cancel them either, right? Like, these are, I mean, I don't know, I just think it'd be weird to have a, an offering without Catwoman. And they let, they remember, how long did they let Catwoman go on under Nascente when it was unreadable? You know? <laughs> I mean. True. And the, and the numbers there were awful. So I think that there are some books that, you know, I think they'll try stuff on them with creative team changes, variant covers, little tricks and, and crossovers to pump up the sales. But yeah, I, I think that, and I, and I almost kind of like am totally cool with that because I don't think it would quite be DC comics if you co- couldn't go get a Catwoman book, a Green Arrow book. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think that makes sense in a way.
0: But the, the, you know, outside of Catwoman, you mentioned Green Arrow. Green Arrow is one of those series where like, before the New Fifty Two, it was basically like every twenty to thirty issues he would get re- he get renumbered, right? And they would keep doing, it. and then they did the Green Arrow Black Canary book for a while. They've done they've done all kinds of things with him, but I mean honestly, Green Arrow makes a lot of sense because they have a Green Arrow TV show. They need to have a Green Arrow comic on the on the thing, and not just the. You know, the digital chapters that get collected into the arrow book, they need to have a green arrow book because there's a TV show. I get that. But like Catwoman, she's not, I mean, like, okay, fine. I guess some people to a degree would say she's on Gotham, but not really.
1: <laughs> well, but, so, but I don't know if that's true. Just playing devil's advocate for a minute, right? And if I, if you, if you disagree with me, please let me know. But then we have a Hawkgirl Girl TV show coming up and a Supergirl show. Supergirl got canceled a couple months ago and it's True. going to be a big show on CBS. True. And I haven't seen a solicitation for a Hawk Girl comic right well, now.
0: I don't see, I, I don't feel like there's going to be a Hawk Girl comic. I think because that's a team show, I don't think, I mean, like we could potentially see a, t- a new team book at some point. Like Stella said, maybe with, uh, you know, the Outsiders or something like that. And maybe she becomes part of that. Who knows? But like, Supergirl makes a lot of sense where I'm not, I'm surprised we actually haven't heard a new Supergirl series being announced. That's
1: kind of mystifying, right? Because this isn't in, in, kind of off subject, but this isn't even a CW show. This is a CBS show. Like this is a, a network primetime show. And the fact that. Big Four. Big Four. Big Four Network. And then they canceled it. She had her own book until Convergence and then they canceled it right before she gets her own show.
0: Which was know. weird because at that point, I think the series had already been picked up. So.
1: Yeah. Weird. If anything, weird. they
0: should have just said, okay, we're going to cancel it, but we're going to launch a new title with a new creative team, get a lot of excitement about it right in October when they we're doing all this other stuff. But
1: And that's when the show comes out. And I was yeah. really surprised that at, uh, at Comic Con, we didn't get a super going. I know where this is the Batman podcast, but that was, that was one that really seemed like someone was seriously missing the boat on it.
0: All right. All right. So moving right along. Uh, also, on July 10th, it was announced that DC has some new titles spinning out of Convergence. Again, this is something else that we just talked about in the last episode. I, I mean, I, I swear I think we, we called – not necessarily a, in in our discussion of Convergence, not necessarily our discussion of what we were going to hear at San Diego. I believe it was Stella who specifically said that she thought that there would be some new series announced when it came to Convergence. So there was a couple of series that were announced spinning out of Convergence. This is – Characters that people are going to be dealing with that are not from these, you know, the normal continuity. So the one specifically dealing with the Batman universe is Titans hunt, which deals with the, the, the specific uh, description was convergence is over, but the ripples are still being felt, especially by a young pre pre cog named Lilith. What are these visions she's having of the Teen Titans team the world never knew, and why does she feel compelled to seek out Dick Grayson, Roy Harper, Donna Troy, and the Atlantean named Garth, and warn them that something dark and sinister is coming after them? Who are Mel, Nark, Hank Hilt, and Don Granger, and what is their connection to the others and to the fate of every soul on Earth? This is the secret history of the Teen Titans. Um, it will be written by Dan Abnett. Um, it's going to be coming out on October 21st. And according to the solicitations, it's actually a 12 issue maxi series. So, um, that is the solicitation. Um, th- it doesn't say specifically what earth this is taking on, but it's not obviously the titans because it mentions Donna Troy and Garth and, uh, you know, Dick Grayson as it's like Robin. Yeah. It's, it's like the classic. classic version.
1: Well, I think if, if you guys seen the cover for this yet. Yeah. It, it looks like there's two teams of titans there. It looks like that you, on the top you have like a classic version and on the bottom looks like post-convergence. It's, the, yeah, it's, it's got it Red Robin, Star, the, the newer Starfire, you know?
0: Which, Starfire hasn't been on the Teen Titans, so
1: that's slightly mm-hmm. odd, but. Hey, don't let your facts get in the way of my theory.
0: Okay, right? no problem.
1: Okay, no problem. like, so I, I'm thinking that you might have like a merging of a couple worlds here, just cause it, there's, because there's two Robins. There's Red Robin and there's what I can assume is a Dick, Dick Grayson Robin from a different costume. There's Aqualad and, and Donna. So maybe we're seeing a little bit of merging of the two. But I think it, it is good that we have not had Convergence happen totally in vain. Yeah. I, and
2: I- – uh- the, the the name that turned my head was Don Granger, which was an incarnation of Dove, of course. And wherever Dove is, Hawk is sure to follow. So – but I don't know if she's going to be taking on some sort of other handle uh, at that point. But I, I think – this is another way to uh, bring new characters into the fold and characters that perhaps DC is not comfortable with putting them in the core continuity, but want to start off to the side and, and see what happens. So, And and again, this is a, a mini series, maxi series, who knows? Um, but, you know, I, I again think that this is potentially a way to test the waters.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't think they're calling anything maxi-series anymore. Oh. Maxi-series to me, I mean, I called it a maxi-series that's because it's 12 issues because, it, I mean, honestly, can you really call something that's coming out for an entire year a mini-series? That's like calling Batman Eternal a mini-series. Yeah. <laughs> God help us. That if That's, is, that's true. But, but anyway, so this is this is coming out in October. That's something we can be looking forward to. We'll 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 probably talk about it in the spotlight um, since it does deal with the Titans and degradation as part of it. All right, so moving right along, next announcement, probably one nobody expected coming. Uh, also on July 10th, it was right it was announced that Batman will be having a crossover with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Jeez. And I, and I'm not joking when I say that. Um, IDW and DC Comics have announced that they are partnering for a crossover. Um, the story will be brought to life by James Tinian and artist Freddie E. Williams II. Um, you may remember him as the artist on Robin right before the series got canceled. Uh, he will be handling the interior and cover art. In addition, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles co-creator Kevin Eastman and other to be announced artists will also illustrate varying covers. Um, the official description of the story is, In the ongoing power struggle between the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, General Krang and the Foot Clan, allegiances have shifted and the battle lines have been drawn. Krang concocts a plan to rid himself of both the Turtles and Shredder by transporting them to another dimension, where they land in the dark and dangerous streets of Gotham City. It isn't long before they encounter Gotham's most famous resident, Batman. Cape Crusader may be their only hope of overcoming their enemies and getting back home, but not before they encounter a whole cast of Gotham's most infamous rogues. So, hmm. I gotta say, I honestly, like I said, never saw something like this happening. Uh, I'm a, I'm a Teenage Mutant Ninja Stroll fan myself. I don't read the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Stroll comics, but I watched the cartoon when I was a kid. I had toys when I was a kid. My son's got tons of toys from the new series. I watched the new series with him. I know that the comics have nothing to do with the the new series. It's the, it's their own version of the the turtles, but kind of interesting to see. I mean, honestly, I mean like it's one of those pairings where like like I said you'd never expect it, but it's happening.
2: Yeah, I read the uh the current comic series i I do it by trade um and it's just it's amazing stuff i don't know if that's sort of the continuity that that they're bringing into it or this really is like completely original so we're going to take the turtles in some version that you know (laughs) shredders around them and uh you know it's almost one of those things where it's you never saw it coming but you kind of wonder why hasn't it happened yet because there are there's the crazy 80s series, there's the Nick series that they have now which are lighter tones. but then the previous cartoon series they had that started in 2003 was uh, a bit darker and then this comic while it does have its light moments is more of like the the darker tone um, comic series and I think when it originally came out though I've not read those, it was darker. So I feel like their tone, their like original tone really matches well with Batman. And I'm just, you know, the thing I'm most looking forward to is that moment that Batman first goes up against the Turtles um, and and sees them, and I just wonder what it's going to be like. Now, the down part is I'm imagining there's going to be some sort of fight between all of them because there's a misunderstanding, and then everything's cleared up and they fight together. But, you know, I always hate that moment where there's a hero versus a hero and they're sort of wasting time because clearly there's a bad thing happening and you should just be together and pulling your resources. But I'm I'm actually I know people were laughing at the panel and Babs Tar w- looked incredulous um, when this was announced and she thought is this for real or are we punking are we being punked. Um, and I actually think this is amazing and I'm super I'm actually really excited for it.
1: I will right. say I will say this. I- <laughs> I am a bit of an unbeliever in this one, but, uh, <laughs> but, IDW just had a Green Lantern Star Trek crossover yep. that they're publishing right now, and I had the fortune to read it, and it's better a lot, It's actually pretty cool, so I will keep an open mind about this. See, I know. What can I say? I'm trying.
0: Yeah, it's weird because normally I'm in your shoes here. Um, okay. true, <laughs> but, but I'm, cause I'm normally the non-believer when it comes to these crazy things, but re- realistically, like, it could be fun. And I think the thing is, like, the, the Ninja Turtle comics, I mean, like, they're, they sell well. They're not like super high sales. IDW in general doesn't, they don't need to have high sales in order to publish books. They publish books to tell stories. I mean, they don't have to have ridiculously high sales like DC and Marvel. Their market share is very small. Now, the one thing that was interesting was, So throughout the, the convention behind the scenes, you know, Stella, Don, and Josh were at uh, Comic Con. Stella was covering a lot of the comic stuff for us. But, uh, behind the scenes back at headquarters for TBU, uh, myself and Terry were, you know, manning the, the keyboards for a lot of the stuff to post up right away. And Terry was typing up a lot of the, the comic news as it was happening so we could get it posted up right away. And uh we were chatting back and forth in between, you know, the the allotted things we had to, to to cover, and he actually mentioned to me something that I actually had forgot that uh it was about a year and a half ago there was a rumor out there that DC was actually contemplating buying out IDW. Yeah. Um and it didn't end up going through, but that could be something that the reason why we've seen the Green Lantern Star Trek crossover, this crossover is happening. You know, this, it could have something to do with the fact that DC expressed interest in them. You know, not that they don't have like a giant market share where even if DC did buy them, it wouldn't like, it wouldn't still add up to what DC would need in order to overpower Marvel when it comes to market share. But it's just interesting because it's one of those things where it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Who, who, who would remember that crazy rumor that, you know, probably only Bleeding Cool reported back then? Just something interesting. Alright, next up, uh, the Batman comic panel. Now I have to say, uh, so this was on July 11th, Saturday, there was a Batman comic panel as normal, as, as you would normally expect from a Comic-Con panel related to Batman, and the title is Batman, are you ready of the panel? You would expect it to be covering the Bat books. But no, no. No, dear Bat fans, it was not, it was not about the Bat books. It was only about Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's Batman. That's what it was about. Haters they didn't gonna talk hate. about, they, gonna, they didn't, they didn't talk about anything but that book. And the thing is, here's, here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. Snyder's been doing a great book. Why not dedicate an entire panel to DC's top selling book? But the thing is the other Bat books, some of them didn't get any mention the entire convention. Um, some of them were mentioned at the Upstarts panel, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But some of them weren't mentioned at all. Like Robinson and Batman never really got brought up that much. Uh, You know, there's, there's some of the other books out there. They just they just weren't even talked about. Detective Comics was like the dark horse that no or the black sheep that nobody wanted to even remotely talk about for no understanding of why, but it wasn't brought up at all. And I was. Honestly, very disappointed by the fact that they had a panel that was solely dedicated to nothing but the Batman title, specifically because Snyder had already appeared on a panel on Thursday, I believe, where he talked all about and answered questions from fans about his run on Batman. And I and I feel like that's that's where, you know, he already did that. You know, if he was going to be part of a panel, why make it only about one title? To me, that just comes across as weird because even when Jeff Johns had a panel that talked all about what was happening with the Justice League, he talked about other things that he was doing with the Justice League. Snyder didn't bring up anything. He's one of the, you know, as they're calling it, showrunners on Batman Eternal, Batman and Robin Eternal. He didn't bring that up. It was literally my buddy Capullo is here. We're, we're chilling. We're going to talk about our book that already sells like hotcakes. So. We're going to market the crap out of it and try to get some more sales. Well, I, and it sounds bad. It sounds bad coming out of my mouth. But honestly, that's the way I felt when I found out it was just that.
1: Well, I think it would have been more in, um less disingenuous if they had just – and I like these guys, obviously. But uh, I think it would have been less disingenuous if they just said this was the Scott Snyder's Batman panel. Spotlight. Yeah, like, Scott Snyder spotlight. A spotlight, a creator spotlight, Capullo and Snyder's Batman. Which they do
0: all the time. They do creator spotlights all the time.
1: So I don't know. They did one for Grant
0: Morrison. DC did one for Grant Morrison.
1: So I don't know why you didn't just call this what it was, right? Like, this is the Batman creator spotlight of, you know, team of Snyder, Capullo, whatever. Some of the better thing for names could do it. I don't know why they didn't call anything else.
0: Alright, so next up. July eleventh. It was there was a there was a press event and it was announced that Grant Morrison well there was a couple of different things announced, but Grant Morrison was kind of the uh spotlight related to this and uh he mentioned that they are going to be doing some original graphic novels based off of the stuff that spent that's gonna spin out of Multiversity called Multiversity Two. And it is th- there's, there's not necessarily anything specific that they're, that they, they specifically said that they're going to do. He mentioned that he has a flash story that he wants to do at some point. This wasn't actually announced, but he said at some point he also has an, uh, an atom, uh, project or a story that he wanted to do. But these are the stories where creators will be able to tell their story and not necessarily have to have it fit into continuity, um, which I thought was the point of your earth <laughs> one, but turns out multiversity is going to be another avenue for creators to tell their own versions of story because I guess in some degree they're actually building some sort of continuity within Earth-1 with all of these different characters. Eventually, I assume sometime in the future they'll all intersect it's, in some way but uh, with multiversity and there being so many different universes and essentially with, with the end of Convergence and <laughs> the universes, spl- some of the universes having more than one of the, their own universe. There's all kinds of different ways they could go with these. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's basically the gist.
2: And we should say that too is TOO. Yeah, that's it is, T-W-O. yeah,
0: it is multiversity TOO. Um, the other project that he announced is that there is going to be a series of graphic novels featuring, uh, the dark knight in Batman black and white, but these are going to be written by Grant Morrison. Um, he specifically said that, uh, it is going to be his final word on Batman, um, but he did say probably because I always say that – it's always going to be my last work on Batman, but then I f- figure out something else to do. Um, he said that he, he thought it would be interesting to do a fine art Batman and maybe we'll get a couple people in there that readers will be familiar with from the comic business. Most of these people tend to do gallery shows or take photographs and it was a way of doing a bunch of Batman stories in that black and white format and showcase a completely different type of art talent and completely different views of Batman. So somewhere we'll be doing a Batman of Zuri and R story, which is one of the weirdest things you've ever seen. Yes. And then just basically different takes on Batman. So um, later on, uh, earlier today, there was an interview that posted with him with the DC All Access, and he talked about the Batman black and white. My impression was that it was one graphic novel. The The actual announcement said it was a series of graphic novels. Um, but none of these ne- neither this project, all the mult- alt or the Multiversity 2 project is going to be happening anytime in the you know distinct near future. It's going to be happening sometime. I mean just think about how long it took Multiversity to actually release from the time they announced that.
1: It's true. He, he doesn't exactly work well on a timeline, does it boy?
0: No, and but- that's probably why they're switching over to graphic novels for that stuff.
1: But I'm really glad about this one. I mean, this is this is one that I know isn't like a headline one like Batman and, and Robin, you know, two or Eternal. But I think this is cool. I, I, I'm a big art guy, and when you can bring non-comic book artists in and see their takes on classic comic book characters. Sometimes you get some really, really cool stuff. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this.
0: Also on July 11th, there was the DC Upstarts panel. Now, this was the, honestly, looking over all of the panels, that, like I said earlier, there was a bunch of panels that I had on our schedule that we needed to make sure we covered. Uh, there was a DC Entertainment All Access, which I had no understanding of what it was beforehand, but then it was basically Scott Snyder and Heath Kors and the writer Bizarro running down all these different DC projects that are happening in comics and movies, TV, you know, all this stuff that uh, S- Scott Snyder is involved in because he's involved in so many TV shows and movies. I know I, he- I hear that distinct in my voice again, but uh, there was a DC Universe panel on Friday. Nothing came out of that. There was a DC Entertainment panel. Nothing came out of that. DC Universe Bad Guys panel. Nothing came out of that. DC Universe Lighter Side panel, nothing came out of that. DC Universe Batman panel, nothing came out of that. But then finally, we have the DC <laughs> Universe Upstarts panel. Literally, the last DC panel outside of the publisher panel that, that that we had on our schedule, suddenly there was news. So this one focused on all of the energetic characters as they described it, specifically Batgirl, Black Canary, Gotham Academy, Grace, and Midnighter and We Are Robin were covered as far as the Batman universe. As far as the highlights dealing with the TBU titles... This is what they had. The first trade for Gotham Academy will include Carl Kerschel's original character designs for most of the characters. Gotham Academy number nine may or may not feature a werewolf. Grayson number nine kicks off the reintroduction of Dick to the DC Universe since he has been undercover. Grayson number 10 has Dick interacting with Lex Luthor in regards to some kryptonite. Grayson number 12 is the reveal to the Bat family that Dick is still alive and has been lying to all of them. Midnighter number four has Dick Grayson guest starring. James Tynion mentioned the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover and explained how it's actually going to happen. And then the new Batman Robin Eternal story will was mentioned and it said that it will partially focus on the story of when Dick left Gotham for the first time still as Robin. So those are the highlights from that interview. Then the funny thing is the that was actually the first panel that they brought up Batman and Robin Eternal. Even though it happened a full day and so before that, when they announced it during the press stuff.
1: I also find it very funny that Batman, Batman, the Batman, that DC labels this as their energetic energetic characters. I mean, which would mean that the rest of their characters are not energetic?
0: Well, I, I will say there was other characters that were focused on, I just didn't mention those characters because they're not TV-related.
1: No, no. I'm not saying that the non-TV ones. I'm saying okay. in general. If you weren't in this panel, you are a non-energetic character. Um, Which I guess might be truer than I think it is. But um, <laughs> now, that I'm, now that I'm actually saying that out loud, that actually does make a certain amount of sense. Um, you no, know, they, they did see me put, put a lot into this one. Um, it looks like Dick Grayson's going to have a busy couple months coming up here. Um, and I, I, I would be – I really am looking forward to the Lex Luthor one because – you know, if you remember back for a Evil, L- Luther, you know, now knows exactly who he is, and, and knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne if you follow Justice League. So I would really, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing Dick with Luther, and of course, Dick trying to explain to everybody why he lied to him. I'm assuming that we'll do what everyone would do in the situation, just blame it on the dead guy and say it's all Bruce's fault. So. I Which hope is funny not. because Grayson was the dead guy up until he comes back yeah right be like be like it was Bruce's idea like he totally told me to lie to you guys he made me <laughs> you
0: know we're, we were all mad at him we were all mad at him a year ago let's just go back to being mad with him come on yeah. he's dead
1: he's dead, dead. dead tell the guy he doesn't even know about it you
2: know well I wonder how they're gonna do this because in my interview with with Tom King and Tim Seeley, you know Tom was I asked him, how are these people going to react to it? And he said, well, the way Barbara is going to react is going to be different from Tim, is going to be different from Damien. So I'm almost wondering if they're going to do one of those things where, like we had um, where Dick was dead and then we had Damien dead, if there are going to be specific issues that sort of the idea or him popping up um, is going to be, Dealt with, and I oh, mean, he definitely feels like that's gonna
0: happen. Yeah,
2: because, uh, Beckhorn Annual Number 3, you see in the solicitation, you see in yep. the cover, he's wandering around Gotham, but of course he may still have that spiral tech that's got his face all a swirl, so who knows, but, but I think there are, I mean, there has to be moments like that, and so I hope, I mean, that's a total cop-out if he does that, and I know it's gonna be difficult because he had to make this decision, there's a good reason for it, but it was, it was terrible nonetheless, but, I'm hoping that, you know, we get to see personally how each of those characters are interacting and not sort of dumping, dumping it on us in one issue.
0: I feel like once he comes back, what's going to happen, like we we know that he's going to be coming back to Gotham very soon here because I think it's like issue 10 is when he comes back to Gotham. When he comes back to Gotham, I think we're going to see like one character every issues, their reaction. He'll be dealing with some, probably some sort of mission, but the back part of the story will probably be dealing with him, his, you know, him going to Damien and saying, Hey, I'm back. And Damien being like, Hey, I thought you were dead, but hey, I was dead too. So hey, we're all cool. That's probably what will happen with Damien. Damien will probably be the happy one that he's back, at, which is surprising because Damien doesn't laugh. You know, he's not a happy guy, but you know, like we'll probably see these different reactions, but probably not everybody you were probably thinking of. Like we probably won't see Tim's reaction. We probably won't see Jason's reaction. The mm-hmm. two ones that I actually feel like we'll probably see it, well, maybe three. Uh, the, the initial one will maybe be Alfred. Um, and then the other, the other ones I feel like will be just be Batgirl. And I feel like the other one will be Damien because honestly, like Jason and Tim are so disconnected from the Batverse that I don't really think that, you know, anybody really cares what they think at this point. I mean, like I would care, but we never really saw their reactions to him being dead in the first place other than just very briefly being, you know, around when he disappeared. So I mean, like, that's the reality of it. I mean, honestly, it feels like it'll probably only be a, you know, one or two issues. One will be Damien, one will be Alf- Alfred, and one will be Batgirl, and you know, that'll be it. But the, but I have to say this about Grayson in general. You know, after hearing what is going to be happening with Batman and Robin Eternal and how Dick is going to be the main focus, I honestly feel like Grayson could be done very soon here. Um, they mentioned, you know, number 12, Dick will be back in Gotham city. I honestly have to wonder if number 12 will be the last issue.
1: Well, I, I think that would almost make a certain amount of sense because not that, not that maybe Dick Grayson wouldn't have a comic book, but I mean, he was Nightwing and, and then he went right into Grayson without skipping a beat. Maybe it's time for him to become something else. Become, I, I don't I guess he can't go back to being Nightwing because the world knows that he's Dick Grayson. Maybe Batman? I don't know. But, and I do feel like that maybe at the end of all this, when Bruce comes back inevitably in six or seven months, that I really hope there's some kind of scene with, with Tim Drake and you get to see Jason Todd and Damien and Dick and Bruce and Tim just being like, you guys, come on. Like at this point, everyone's died but Tim, right? And came back. Yeah. I mean, I mean, everyone's been killed but Tim. He's almost gonna feel left out at this point, right? Like, like <laughs> he's I'm, like,
0: all right, guys, here's the deal.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, why am I? I got, got my to wings
0: die? on the back. I'm not gonna actually hit the button for the wings. I'm just gonna fall off the side of this building. Can someone just bring me to a Lazarus pit? I'd appreciate it.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it does seem like he's like Tim is left out in everything, and now they everyone else has been killed but him. You know, so just hoping we get maybe a some writer do a smart little maybe it was just an eyebrow raise or something like what the hell. But uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see.
0: But, you know, I said that and now I'm looking at the list of <laughs> stations and Grayson's not over at 12 because it's got issue 13. That's not the final issue either. But I feel like Grayson does, Grayson is one of those series that I said last episode has an expiration date on it. And I feel like, however, I mean, because Batman and Robin Eternal is only going to be lasting for, uh, 26 issues, which will translate to about six months. You know, the, because of that, we are, we are most likely going to probably see the end of the Grayson series before the end of Batman and Robin Eternal, because I feel like if, if Dick can play as big of a role as he's going to in the pages of Batman and Robin Eternal, he can't be with Spiral anymore. That's just not possible. So. Something's gonna happen with Spiral. Maybe, you know, they, they wrap up their story that they're trying to get. You know, looking at the solicitation for number 13, it says back on the job at Spiral. Now he has, Dick has a mission all his own. Find out more about Agent Zero. Uh, well, we know Agent Zero is actually Kathy Kane. So the, I mean, like maybe, you know, maybe the, the intent is by issue 15, it'll be over. And that's it. And then, you know, by by fifteen, that would be December. So maybe January we get. You know, maybe he just goes. They don't do anything with him because he's, you know, the main character in Eternal f- until Eternal runs its course. And then one of the new books we get out of Eternal is a new Dick Grayson book.
1: You know what? I bet it goes to eighteen. I mean, I mean, I hate, I hate all. Well, I mean, uh, it could, because it, could. it cause of, Well, no, here's why: because of trades, right? Six issue mm. per trade. Grayson sells well, so trades will sell well. So I could see them cutting off after three. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. get three trades out of it and then move it on. I think that would make would make the most sense.
0: All right, so that was the upstarts panel. Um, the last bit of news, actually, from the convention was that Avengers and Batman '66 will be crossing over. Uh, not the Avengers. You're thinking when I say Avengers, I'm referring. Classic. I'm referring to the, the classic crappy, Avengers, the ones. The, uh, the the British oh,
1: TV nice. show from the
0: 1960s. Uh, this is the Avengers. And also, if you you know grew up in the 90s, there was a Avengers movie with Uma Thurman yeah. in it How, that was in the, the mid 90s, which it was it was bad. Well, that was where uh, Uma
1: Thurman managed to, to destroy a second great character of of true. literature. Yes. Yeah. Um,
0: but that, that's the Avengers we're talking about. The British, British kind of, uh, spy thriller show from the 60s. You know, we've seen a crossover with Batman and the Green Hornet, uh, because they both existed as 60s TV shows. This is another one that will happen. Uh, absolutely no details were released as far as what the creators of the, are going to be attached to it. The time frame, nothing. We don't even know what's, we don't even honestly know what publishing company owns the rights to the Avengers, the, uh, you know, the sixties TV show, because at one point Boom Studios did own them, but that was years and years ago. I guarantee you they have not done anything with it and they probably lost the rights. I don't imagine DC, well, I mean, I guess to a degree, well, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, who owns the rights to Green Hornet? Because they made that crossover happen, whoever it was.
1: Dynamite, dynamite.
0: Okay, well, they're they're pretty like down on the list too. So I mean, like, if they probably get some sort of like licensing fee from or however that translates with, with uh, print material. I don't know how that translates, but like a licensing fee for using the characters because obviously those characters are going to be a little bit more popular in a DC Batman book than by themselves. But whatever. Anyway, so that's 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 happening
1: too I had to put this out there though we've had a lot of the Batman 66 crossovers you said the Green Hornet and they've been trying all kinds of stuff with the 66 comics right yes I think they're missing on the most obvious one which is tie over Batman 66 with the Wonder Woman 70s TV show like I I feel like that will happen <laughs> at some point like I honestly do like they own the rights clearly to both characters they both have a distinct fan base they just did a, a Wonder Woman 70s uh one shot a couple months ago. Um, I think this would be one that I would actually really, really like to see. And I keep – they keep doing the Avengers and Greenhorn and stuff. And I'm sure those people love that stuff. Don't get me wrong. No, and I'm sure no, it's see, probably good. But I think I the Wonder Woman would
0: be read good. read it. I don't read it. But there's a there's a book currently coming out. It's a digital first series. It's called Sensation Comics. It yeah. features Wonder Woman. Is that set also during the – No, that, that's
1: like Legends of the Dark Knight for Wonder Woman. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, But there is a Wonder Woman 77. They just did a special, a one-shot like a month ago. And it was like eight dollars. Um, it was like fifty pages, and it sold like almost thirty thousand copies. Um, wow. And I think that that a, a Wonder Woman seventy seven, Batman sixty six, you do it like a almost could be like a, this is gonna sound terrible, almost like a Dark Knight Returns for the sixty six Batman. You know, ten years afterwards. I don't know. I just think it'd be fun. That's all.
0: <laughs> well, no. What would be funny <laughs> is that they're like that Robin is still walking around in the pixie boots, but he actually got taller than Batman. <laughs> Oh man, that would be funny. Anyway, <laughs> my, my dark humor at its best. Alright, so moving right along into some of the other comic news. So right now we're going to talk about, uh, a ton of different interviews. While at San Diego, Stella talked to Dan Jurgens about Batman Beyond, Jurgens again and Corinne Howell on Batmite, Libra Mejo about We Are Robin and Robin War, the entire backroll creative team, uh, obviously about backroll, and then also Tom King and Tim Seeley about Grayson. So there's a we have all of the interviews on the website for you to check out while you're listening to this. They're all posted on the website under Comic News. I implore you to check them all out. But Stella, highlights from any of the interviews you did?
2: Um, it's hard to highlight Lieber Mayo because I swear. He was, it was almost like under contract to reveal nothing. And I think his is the book that you almost want the most details from because it is, it's just mysterious. You know, how, how are we dealing with stuff? But in a way I almost take as I can't really talk about it or you have to find out and see as like, yes, things like that are going to happen. Um, but I, I was happy to hear that, you know, there are going to be run-ins with other Bat family characters in that book. So that's something to, uh, Hold on to uh, the Batman Beyond. In the, uh, it wasn't revealed in the interview, but in the um, in the press uh, for that one, I don't know if that was Upstarts or it was something. Oh, I know what it was. It was the um, the space one, the outer space, space and beyond. I can't remember what that panel was called. Uh, he was on that one because he's kind of – it's not necessarily space, but it was time. He's in a different time. He revealed that one of the classic Batman Beyond characters was going to turn into a cyborg because, of course, Brother Eye is still omnipresent. So actually that sort of makes me nervous because we've not only seen Matt, but we've seen Max and Barbara Gordon. So I'm super afraid that one of those people is going to get turned into a cyborg but we're gonna get more classic characters. Inc. is the next one, which was on the solicitations for two. And so, like, they're really what gives me hope, and you know, gets me excited about that book, is that they're they really understand what people loved about the animated series. And so, they're they're taking that, and they're also, you know, changing up because, of course, it is a slightly uh, newly tuned universe since what uh, Tim did to, to time and everything messed things up. Um. Uh. The the Grayson thing. I think you know what excites me the most about that, of course, is that we are going to see his interaction, and you know him coming back. And you know we just talked about that. I'm wondering. I didn't get to it because you know the PR person is behind there waving a oh you know the her first finger saying I don't know if it's one question or one minute, but any case. Um. I do. I am interested to see what happens between him and Helena because I think there is some romance there, but they're dealing with it very differently than we've seen with Dick Grayson where he beds somebody right away because that hasn't happened yet. But last but not least, I think my favorite interview—if you, <laughs> you know—if you can guess, of course, was my interview with the, the back creative team. And it just seems like they totally have that character down and uh, they're still going to be dangling the carrot of who Frankie is because if you guys have been reading these issues of Batgirl there have been two times where Frankie's about to drop what her handle is and some character cuts her off and so that's not going to be revealed so whether it's Oracle or uh, Proxy, which we saw in the BQM run, or somebody else we don't know, but her relationship with Babs is, is something that's going to be ongoing. Babs doesn't necessarily want her to be in the hero business, which is something we started to see in 41. Uh, we see her relationship with with Jim, of course, and and he's going to be dealing with her a little bit differently because I asked, hey, this is the second time that they've come in conflict in this series. How is this different? So that's going to be happening. And, of course, I talked about Velvet Tiger and uh th- they're going to be basing it mostly off of her original appearance which was pre-crisis in detective comics 518 and 519 i loved how babs was very forthright in saying that her outfit was ridiculous in that in those issues because it was so she definitely tuned it up and if you had seen the live wire tune up um, i think that's something to get excited about but they've been you know placing little little easter eggs of gilcom in, uh, you know, in previous issues and Ward, her brother, which I brought up, I said he's a big part of her, of her history. What are you going to be doing with him? And they said, yeah, oh, he's, he's going to be in there. And, uh, you know, other fun characters to, to look at. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just most excited, I think about that one, but it seems like, um, I, I I just feel like you know this is sort of a cliche thing to say and and I feel like I've been saying it actually for the past year or so but I really think that now is I mean it continues to be one of the best times to be a bat fan and we just. I think we were heartbroken somewhat or just heartsick when New 52 began and and all these changes and there have been bad books upon bad books and and dark books and we've been super like depressed over it. But now it just feels like we have a good run of creators on these books that understand – the characters that they're writing—they're fans of the characters, which I think they really need to be—and they're good storytellers. And I think that this con just got me excited to see what this year has to to show us as readers, fans, and reviewers of this
0: stuff. Now, still, the funny thing is, you say all of that, but you didn't <laughs> mention what I consider the biggest scoop. Oh, are you kidding? talk about that okay briefly briefly i know how you are i know (laughs) how you are but brief
2: (laughs) absolutely so if you have been paying attention to solicitations there is a super romantic solicitation between babs and luke now it looks awesome you know i love shipping and everything but my thing was it's luke fox number one number two it's you know another boyfriend because she's sort of been back back and forth between Liam and Jeremy already so are we gonna add another one so I did ask them about that and um, the I think the big focus one of the the main themes of this interview was just the fact that it's uh, I can't remember what the the specific words they use but like an upstart community sort start of up, like
0: startup start start startups yeah up. there you go that, startup communities, had- startup businesses.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So Burnside is this community where people can come in and start these businesses. And Luke Fox is one of those. His name has already been dropped because Frankie's looking for a job, and so Bad says his connection. So there could be a romance blossoming. And you know, the prior longer interview I had after their first issue came out, um, you know, I was very forthcoming in saying that I was a dick and bad shipper. So I thought at the prime time to remind them. Uh, and so I, I, did say, you know, as a Dick and Bad Shipper, I'm slightly disappointed that you're pairing her with Luke and not with Dick if he comes back in. And Bad Star, since it's an audio and, and, you know, typed up interview, you can't see things, obviously. Uh, she puts her hand on my shoulder <laughs> and she goes, just wait, Stella, wing. So, um so, who knows? I, I, like I said, annual number three, he's in there. I don't know about his face, but it looks like she's kind of figuring something out. I'm really hoping. And then in the recent solicitations, uh, which I know we'll talk about, but it does say that a familiar face from her past returns. So, boy, am I hoping. And, you know, I, I'm hoping also that that Star doesn't lie to me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. So <laughs> I, I, two, two things I had to say about that. One, don't <laughs> Google Velvet Tiger art. Because I just did oh. that while Stella was talking, and you get to see some stuff that is you can't unsee as far as <laughs> artwork. Because so, so don't 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 do that ever in your life. Um, just don't. Just a public service warning. Don't do that. Okay, you're good.
2: I thought you said you had two things. Well, I was
1: gonna say that I, you know I was kind of thinking about the the Luke Fox and and, and Babs thing, and, and I'm kind of hoping that they do hook up. That way we can finally maybe with Dick coming back, he can actually and Starfire's got her own book we can finally get Look, Dick and Starfire oh, back together because that's the way it's really oh supposed to go gosh. down. So
2: this is the last show that I will be on with you at after that comment.
1: I'm just throwing it out there.
0: All right, so with all of those interviews, I strongly suggest you check them all out. There's a lot more details. Uh Tom King and Tim Seeley both talked about the Robin Moore and the uh, Batman and Robin Eternal Lee Bermejo also talked about uh Robin Moore as well. So definitely head over to the website, check out those interviews. Great job on Stella's part coming up with some awesome questions. And I also thank you to the fans who followed us on our Facebook group and were able to submit questions because they were paying attention to our Facebook group, and Stella asked for questions from the fans. So check out those interviews. All right, so moving right along into our next kind of almost our last bit of news. Solicitations came out. uh, Real quick, regarding graphic novels and trades, DC released the – Trades for November and December of 2015. Several of these are for collected editions of current and former DC New 52 ongoing titles, including Batman Eternal Volume 3, Batman Robin Volume 6, Earth 2 Volume 5, Batman Superman Volume 4, Earth uh, Harley Quinn Volume 3, as well as other collected editions from either outside of New 52 line or from comics that predate the New 52. Batman 66 Volume 4, Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet. Batman Legends of the Dark Knight, Volume 5, and Injustice Gods Among Us, Year 3, Volume 1. Apart from these new ongoing titles, collected editions, the only other solicitation of note for TBU fans is a new omnibus collecting Neil Adams' entire run on Batman featuring the comics from Batman, The Brave and the Bold, Batman... Detective Comics, The Brave and the Bold, World's Finest Batman Odyssey, Batman Black and White, along with many covers that Adams worked on as well. Fans of Neil Adams' work with The Dark Knight can own Batman and illustrated by Neil Adams on hardcover for only seventy five dollars in early December. Perfect time for the holidays for you Neil Adams fans. Um one one project I wish they admitted from that was Batman Odyssey, but We're I not digress Odyssey in there, are they? Yes, they are. God and and you know what's hilarious is One of the announcements that came out of Comic-Con, of course, as you all know, I know that this is the Batman universe, but I'm going to mention this just because somehow Batman Odyssey made it into this podcast. But it was announced at the Superman panel that Neil Adams is going to be doing a Superman miniseries that is going to be in the same kind of oh no. style as Batman Odyssey.
1: What,
2: is it in the same, like, but continuity?
0: with, with soup? No, I don't know if it's in the same continuity, but it's going to be like a, a mini series that focuses on Superman. It's going to be written by Neil Adams, drawn by Neil Adams. And it's going to be a Neil Adams story. And they he was very adamant about, this is my, this is the equivalent to my, this is my Superman equivalent to Batman Odyssey. This is what it is. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, I don't, Stop think God. you understand that that series was horrible and so many people disliked it.
2: Can but we cover it for kicks and giggles?
1: You can on BTO.
2: <laughs> you know, <laughs> Gosh. Uh, uh,
1: two things. It's been my call all the day. It's two things, apparently. One, though- Odyssey. It, that's... It, pff, you, I couldn't even, like, do a <laughs> recap. Like, if you put a gun to my head and it was like, recap that's it or die, really I'd like, shoot hard. me. You know, I mean... Yeah. I don't even know what's going on. There's a guy at a table, and there's things in a cave. I mean, it's very Dinobos. weird. Dinosaurs, and then dinosaur robbing people. I mean, and if anything, Superman, like I don't can't even imagine that that's gonna be any better. So, and, I, and it's it's sad too because Neil Adams' work in the '70s is fundamental to the character of Batman, you know. And he did some really awesome stuff, but he's just kind of kind of losing it. And, and second thing too. I try to refine my Google search to "velvet tiger costume." It's even worse. Oh so, my god! Come on! <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 There's an option on your Google to like open safe search.
0: Like safe search. search. It That's is.
1: Called. No, it's like a collection of uh, like cosplay velvet tigers. It's so awful. Cool. All right, moving Keep right
2: <laughs> along.
0: So moving into the solicitations, this is pretty much our last bit of news. We have a small little discussion in a second, but the last bit of news we have is the solicitations for October released uh, on July 15th. Uh, the Obviously, the biggest thing is the Batman Robin Eternal that's coming. Um, the first issue is actually a little bit more expensive. It's going to be $3.99, um, but it will actually have extra pages, and then the... The, then the following issues will be 2.99, which is slightly odd because the entire run of Batman Eternal, I believe, except for the last issue, was 2.99. I believe all the issues were 2.99, including the first issue, except for the very last one, which was longer. And I believe that—I can't remember—but I want to say it was also 2.99. I feel like the whole series was, but whatever. That's just worth noting because if you go to the store. When uh Terry was typing up the solicitations for the website, he told me that the the uh first issue was three ninety nine. I was like, wait, 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 what? You gotta be kidding me. This entire series better not be three ninety-nine. And then I was like, Well, what's the page count difference? And then he told me and it's it's longer pages, and then he saw that it's actually going to only be for the first issue. So the solicitation reads that uh, now obviously the first four issues have the exact same solicitation. This has been the case for every single batman eternal ever um but the solicitation says that uh they that they're going to be giving us a look back at the case at a case that batman robin with dick Grayson as robin dealt with five years earlier with a human trafficker known only as mother now in the present the full consequences of that old case are finally coming to bear and dick and the rest of the bat family have to deal with these consequences without batman However, the solicits are unclear why Batman is not involved, possibly obviously because of Bruce not being in the call right now. I'm assuming that's what it is and this book will actually tie in to continuity unlike Batman Eternal did before. All right. Meanwhile, on the pages of Batman number 45, Jim Gordon deals with a new threat, possibly meaning that the Mr. Bloom arc will end in the annual in uh, September and questions – what it means to wear the cowl of Batman. In Detective Comics, we have a new story coming from a completely new creative team, including Pierre Tomasi and uh, art by Mark Markio Takara. 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 Nailed it. Markio. Markio. Now. Marcio, Marcio Takara, okay, with art by Marcio Takara, who is who is uh, new to the Batman universe, uh, which is the new Batman gets his first team up with the Justice League to solve a mass murder case. Now, real quick, before I keep going, I want to talk about this detective comic because, again... Terry and I chat a lot because Terry types up his articles and he basically chats with me on Skype as, as he's typing up the articles for comic news. And when he was typing up the article and he's, you know, talking to me about the solicitations, you know, we're talking about Pierre Tomasi. And I said, I think it's really strange that they didn't announce that Tomasi was going to be on Detective Comics. We knew that he was going to be on some sort of project. We all, you know, a lot of us assumed that he was going to be on Batman Robin or Bat- the second volume of Batman Eternal, which he. It's not. So it was interesting to see that he was on, you know, he's going to be on Detective Comics, but they didn't announce it in any way. It was basically like, thank you, Peter Tomasi, for having this great run on Batman Robin. We ended your series because the story is going in a different direction and there is no more Batman. So now we are going to let you have a couple months off while you just work on Batman Arkham Knight. And now we're going to put you on Detective Comics, but we're not going to tell anybody about it. Thank you so much for your hard work. And I said to Terry, I said, you know, I think it's interesting because I almost feel like at this point, DC is treating him as if he's just like a in-house writer, you know, from the old days where he's just like, he's a guy who writes stuff. Staff but, writer, right? Yeah, a staff writer. Exactly. Like, he's just, he's there if you need him, but you don't necessarily make a big deal about the fact that he's doing. It. Now, don't get me wrong. Tomasi has done some great stuff, some amazing stuff with some of the books, you know, even before the new fifty-two, I know a lot of you who might be listening are new to Tomasi because, or not new, but you've you're familiar with his run on Batman Robin. But before the new fifty-two, he was on Nightwing, and he did a great job there too. And but the thing that I find so interesting is like there's there's no like hey new team, so to me I almost feel like one of two things is happening. And and Terry told me that he, his thought, which was, could it be that He's only on the book for a short amount of time. Could it be that he's a fill-in artist or a fill-in writer for, you know, and that's why they didn't make a big deal about it. And I thought to myself, I was like, well, I guess that could be the case. But then I started doing the math and Detective Comics number 45. There's not that much time before issue number 50. So maybe DC's starting to set some plans in motion where. They are preparing for Snyder actually to be gone by issue, you know, after issue fifty. And the intent is they're going to shake up everything after issue fifty. When you do the math from um, October to, you know, issue number fifty, there's five more issues. Which guess what? That would be the same month that Batman and Robin Eternal ends. Hmm. So if you start doing the math here, you can figure out that you know Snyder could potentially be off Batman after Eternal. Ends, Eternal will be over, Uh, you know, maybe, maybe Tomasi's only on the book for five issues and then they just change everything up. You know, and maybe that's what they're aiming for. So that would be, let's see, that would be March, I believe. March would be, you know, everything would be coming to a head. So maybe that's the new month to be watching for is March of 2016, which also happens to be the same month that Batman vs. Superman Donald Justice comes out. Hmm. Mm. Man. When will Dark Side War end? Do you know? I honestly have no idea because the, the solicitation for Just League, which I, I haven't gotten to yet, but Just League, the solicitation has Jason Fabic not on art. He, uh, ah. he's off for two issues and my understanding, I saw his comment on Twitter. He said that he is not off the book. He's just taking two issues off because he's concentrating on further and him and John's have some. Really long stories to tell and he's going to have to take some months off here and there to, to, you know, to do it. And I can understand it to, a, because to a degree, I feel as if when you're doing a book that's a team book, it's harder to do. Um, that's why. Oh, no I,
1: doubt. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And the thing is like, you see books like, for example, to a degree, you know, Red Hood and the Outlaws, Teen Titans, the art on those books, it's not, it's not bad art, but it's not amazing art either but you can tell like that they spend time, but it's a different style than what you'd ever see in justice league. And I feel like it's because it's, it's a little scratchier. It's a little bit more raw than what you would see in justice league because they know they're, they're you know, they don't need to have, and not to mention right and the allies had how many artists changed. Same thing with team Titans. So oh, I mean, like man. they've, they've had artists change multiple times throughout their, their, their runs. So even with suicide squad to a degree. So, I mean, like, you look at these other team books, Justice League is probably the one that has, you know, a normal headline artist for a long time without having fill-in artists. So, I mean, and I think if I remember correctly, and uh, let me check real quick. If I remember correctly, I believe Justice League number 45 has Francis Manapul filling Manipool. in his art. He yeah, he's filling in an art for uh, 45 and 46, I believe, is what I read. So, um. All right, so let's get back to these solicitations. Uh, Grayson number 13 sees Dick back with Spiral after his trip to Gotham City, still as an infiltrator in the spy organization, while continuing his team up with Midnighter in Midnighter number 5. Batgirl must deal with a familiar face from her past in issue number 45 of her title. Red Hood and the Arsenal continue to fight Batman while Damien finds himself fighting his mother, Talia al Ghul, and the Robins seek to learn more about the Nest. I hope that's Tim Drake's Nest they're referring to. Um, Catwoman number forty-five finds Selina reeling from a tragedy and still search, searching for Batman and Black Canary. Or no, no, that no? was not. No, no, <laughs> he, he should not have. He should not have put those two together. Uh, Catwoman number forty-five finds Selina reeling from a tragedy and still searching for Batman. Black Canary fights a new nemesis called Bo I guess. I don't know. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. I'm sure at some point I'll hear it right. Harley Quinn finds herself dealing with the darker side of Hollywood in issue number 21 of her title while we see the climax of Harley and Power Girl's fight with the Ortho Orodox in the second to last issue of the miniseries. We see the Justice League of America depending on Batman to save them after he after being defeated by Rao in JLA number 5. While the second wave of Darkseid War begins in issue number 45 with members of the Justice League having gained the powers of gods, we'll also get a tie-in one-shot Justice League Gods and Men Batman, which focuses on Batman's new role as the god of knowledge in the story, as we talked about earlier. In Gotham by Midnight, the squad deals with the fallout of their internal affairs investigation while Corrigan faces down the specter to save Goths, Gotham. While on the pages of Gotham Academy, the gang explores downtown Gotham to investigate calamity and the possibility that Owl's mom may still be alive. Meanwhile, Batman Beyond number 5 promises to have fan-favorite characters coming out of the woodwork to help Tim fight against Brother Eye and the Cyborg Justice League to save the Earth. October will also bring new issues of the other Batman Universe titles like Teen Titans, the new series Titan Hunt, which spins off from conversions, New Suicide Squad, Batmite, Earth 2 Society, Batman 66, Injustice Year 4, which, as I mentioned earlier, is ending in October, Batman Arkham Knight, Batman Arkham Knight Genesis, and the DC Bombshells. So the full list of solicitations are over on the website for you guys to check out. All right, so that's that. Now, real quick discussion points because we're already running much longer than I thought. Um, <laughs> the, the real quick discussion point, so at San Diego... Related. This, of course, has to be related to San Diego. They announced uh, a bunch of, the outside of the comic stuff, normally we would talk about nothing but the comic stuff, but there's something that deals with the comics but is in the uh, movie side of stuff. So there was a announcement that the next couple DC animated films, the next one will be called Batman Bad Blood. The one after that is no. Justice League vs. the Titans. Then, then the next one is going to be Batman Killing Joke. Uh, Batman Killing Joke... Obviously, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you've probably read it. If you haven't, go pick it up. Um, Stella will tell you I don't otherwise. Dare
2: you recommend now, Stella,
0: Stella will tell you otherwise because <laughs> of ramifications to a character that she holds very dear to her heart. I won't spoil yeah. it for those of you who potentially haven't read it.
1: <laughs> but- Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm not going to tell them what happened.
1: I'm just going to say, go pick it up and read it yourself. You didn't read it in the original format or the 25th anniversary edition that just came out. I don't want to spoil this for you. The
0: 15th, the 20th anniversary. They re-release it literally every year. So the thing is, uh, go check it out. That, that, you know, that was announced. And Stella wasn't super happy when that got announced. I'm sure she won't be reviewing that on the website. But that being said, I want to talk about Batman Bad Blood. Because that has actually been announced as the next one that's actually going to come out. Justice League, is, Justice League Gods and Monsters comes out, I believe, in a week or two um, on DVD. And then the very next DC animated film that's going to release is going to be Batman Bad Blood. Now, I'm going to take a wild guess and say it's going to be released in January, February. That's kind of the release schedule that they've been going for recently. Maybe it'll release before Christmas. I don't know. But that would be different than what they've done in the past. That being said... There's not a whole lot of information that we know about it but what we do know is that we know two things there's two characters that are going to be included in this version this this animated film uh Batwoman Kate Kane and Batwing Luke Fox will both be in the, this film um, but then the other small tidbit that we know about it is that it is following the same steps of Batman, son of, or, son of Batman and Batman vs. Robin, and this is following the same kind of continuity as those films. Now, if you remember, Batman, son of Batman dealt heavily with the, uh, Grant Morrison, Damien stuff from before the new 52. Uh, Batman vs. Robin dealt more, well, partially with court of owls, had some other stuff in there too, but the Court of Owls was kind of the big thing that they had going on in that story. So Batman Bad Blood involving Batwoman and Batwing. I want to get your guys' thoughts on what exactly following the same format because if you think about it, the re, you know, they're doing these films, you know, they've done the Just League stuff. The the Just League stuff they have done, they're they're modeling the stuff off of stories that are being told since the New Fifty Two started. What do you think could be A story from that, you know, from that range from the new 52 till now that involves Batwing and Batwoman that isn't Batman Eternal. Go on.
2: That's interesting because actually, I, you know, before the chat, I said Brother Blood, just like so throughout there. What I really meant to say, because then I felt bad because you laughed at me. I
0: laughed, you laughed because really... I was thinking Brother Blood, really. Brother <laughs> Blood, just he was this, part yeah. of Arrow two years ago.
2: Wasn't it? Yeah, I know. What about Deacon Blackfire is who I really meant? Um, hmm. And I know he's an Eternal, but I feel like Batwoman and and um, not, oh, Batwing. Uh, combined with the other ones are somewhat random. I know that they're in the Bat family, but it's got to be a way to cohesively meld them together. And we know that in Eternal, Batwing was dealing sort of, kind of with with what was going on in the in the darker and more macabre world over there. And then Batwoman, that's sort of her shtick where she's been dealing with these supernatural elements. So I feel like it, it should be a supernatural element to tie these people together. Um, so I, you know that. Who knows if he probably isn't, you know, a big enough villain to tie those two together, so it's probably wrong, but I just feel like it's gotta go in some sort of supernatural way. My concern about this is that You know, the last one we did, we introduced Damien and we had enough time to actually introduce him and talk about, you know, slightly his backstory. But when you're introducing two new people, even though as comic readers we know who they are, into this, you know, video universe, that's hard. And, And I feel like I like Batwoman a lot. and. You know, I'm, I'm starting to enjoy Batwing. I, I wonder which version of it it will be. The first one we saw or Luke. But will they get the, the screen time that they deserve to get some backstory? That's my concern, that there are too many characters in this next film.
1: I would like to put forward the idea that it is not going to be Brother Blood, but it could be, in fact, Jason <laughs> Blood.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. Why, why
1: not? The demon? I,
0: I mean, I guess we're just throwing out anybody who has the bl- well, or blood in their name.
1: Or, sure. <laughs> or, yeah, the, you it. know. That's po- and it's a good point. D- 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 Dustin's making a good point. We're not taking the discussion too seriously. Uh, no, but all kidding aside, I- I bet it's- my thought would be it, it's Batman Inc. with the death of Robin. I mean, that would follow the Robin storyline. I mean, that was- yeah. that would just be the one that, you know, kind of looking at it from 10,000 feet and going, okay, if I was probably only gonna get five or six movies in one storyline, we can kill Robin and then bring him back, uh, and, and- and the next movie, the rebirth of Robin, or whatever you wanna call it. Um, that would be my best guess. Would be Batman Inc. Although I wouldn't rule anything out. If I got to pick something that had to be adapted that featured Batwoman, I would really, really, really like to see something from her start of her run in the New 52. Maybe the world's finest, um, with Batwing playing the role of Wonder Woman or something like that. But uh, something from that 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 early Batwoman run that was so good uh, would be something I'd like to see adapted. So
0: just as far as like the cast that we know, obviously Batman's gonna be in. Robin's gonna be in it. Uh, we have Nightwing and Talia al Ghul. Now, the fact that Talia al Ghul is also going to be in the film is interesting. Uh, also, uh, Lucius Fox will also be in it. But I mean, Luke Fox, Lucius Fox makes sense that he, Luke, Lucius Fox would be in it. But my my reason by for saying that is that, you know, with Talia al Ghul, you kind of have to go some sort of route with, with basically the the death of Damien. I mean, like, there's not a whole lot of stories that. You have all of these different characters involved in like I don't I think it would be too early to do a story based off of Batman Eternal, honestly, because that story has even I mean, it's it's only been out for I mean, it finished up, you know, a couple months ago. But it, it literally has been it's it started its run April of 2014. So we would be looking at it this this uh less than a year, less than two year turnaround for them to publish an entire volume of a story and then get into it. Now, the thing that I find slightly interesting that they could do is that if you look at Batwing and how he was represented in the, the stories, he was focused in during Batman Eternal. It was the supernatural stuff. And during a good chunk of Batwoman's beginning of her run when J.H. Williams was on it and even back before J.H. Williams when Greg Rucka was writing her before the New 52 in Detective Comics. When you look at those stories, she was dealing with a lot of supernatural stuff too. So could we be seeing a lot of supernatural stuff? And then it's actually kind of funny because whoever, which I can't remember which one of you just said it, but Deacon Blackfire. When you you said Deacon Blackfire, I was like, okay, maybe we're not actually joking. That is a possibility.
2: Yeah, sure. He was... You have a serious discussion, why do you think we'd be joking with the, the, the possibilities we're uh, bringing to the table? Because team?
0: you're literally shouting out people's names that just no. have blood.
2: <laughs> oh it's gonna be brother God. blood. It's gonna be Jason blood. The I, titles, it, it, titles uh, have nothing to do with the story.
1: I bet it'll be, someone's- It'll
0: be brother blood. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, you're gonna gut this, it'll be super you? blood. Are you gonna cut this? No! <laughs>
1: You know, the worst thing would be if this movie came out and it was a Jason Blood, Brother Blood team up. Oh God! Okay, we're gonna cut it right there.
0: (laughs) All right, so moving right along, that's our end of our discussion. Just figured I'd, uh, it'd be worth mentioning that. Just because I thought it was interesting. Have it on your radar for comic fans. Also, obviously have that killing joke movie on your radar. That probably won't, that'll probably be coming out next year at San, you know, right after San Diego, as that'll be the movie they probably screen at San Diego. And I'm sure that'll, that'll be wonderful for Stella to go cover. But,
2: can I say something about that really quickly? The killing joke? Very,
0: very quickly. Okay. It's, Um, It's not like you haven't had enough talk about how much you love the killing joke.
2: Yeah, I know. I won't talk about that, but I want to talk about Mark Hamill. Hamill. Uh, We know that he retired from the Joker, but he... (laughs) No,
0: no, don't. he didn't actually retire from the Joker. Well, he... You you didn't know this because you haven't played Arkham Knight because he actually came back.
2: He took a hiatus briefly, but he also said that the Killing Joke would be something that would bring him back. And I would also like to say that I was having lunch with a friend, you know, we were in a little group, and this friend owns a comic shop. In Los Angeles, and Mark Hamill actually came in to the comic shop and bought *The Killing Joke*. Now, who knows? But I would pretty much guess that he is in fact going to be the Joker in *The
0: Killing Joke*. Uh, I team. would, I would assume he probably will be as well. Doesn't he have um, an
1: Amazon account? He,
0: he, he, well,
2: <laughs> he wants to be personable. Ed. He wants to be with. The, he wants to be an everyman and be like the, the, the people.
0: But he, here's the thing: like he's he said multiple times. But after Arkham City came out, he said he would never do Joker again. He was done being Joker. I'm done. I'm done. I'm never going to do it. And then that year at San Diego or the year after Arkham City came out at San Diego, it was somebody brought up at the DC animated screening, whatever the film was at the time. They said – you know, uh, it, it, there was a brief mention of like, well, we still want to do the killing joke, but, you know, we're trying to figure out, how, you know, whether or not we'll actually do it. I don't know how many years they've actually mentioned at San Diego that they've considered doing the killing joke and now it's actually going to happen. That, that you know, that's probably the movie that's been so longly rumored more so than any other movie that they've done. But. That's what they said. Now I distinctly remember this was obviously before Star Wars got bought by Disney and they were going to make Star Wars Episode 7. And Mark Hamill, he was kind of under the radar. You know, he was doing some voice acting on some, you know, cartoons and stuff here and there. But he wasn't really doing any, a whole lot, okay? And I distinctly remember him mentioning on Twitter at the time, he was like, Oh, yeah, you know, that would be the one project that I would come back for. And then just last year in October, somebody asked him on Twitter, you know, uh, if they if they did a killing joke, you have to do it because you're my Joker. And he said that would be the one Joker project that I would come back for. He, he said this multiple times. But then, of course, he didn't actually disappear from the Joker because anybody who's been playing Arkham Knight, which at this point I feel like it's been out for, you know, three, four weeks. I'm going to just say it. The Joker is in the game. I won't tell you how if you haven't. What? But the Joker's in the game. Mark Hamill does voice the Joker. And just this past week during Comic-Con, he was tweeting and someone was like, I'm so like, obviously time has passed. So he's not going to, he's not going to just stay quiet about it. Someone mentioned to him is like, I thought you said your joke, you would never do Joker again. he's like, you can't keep the clown of crime or the, the, Clown Prince of Crime down for too long and he was just making these weird remarks and like, I know that he enjoys the character. It's just, he wants to do quality projects. He just doesn't want to do like, run-of-the-mill Joe Schmo Joker stuff When whenever there's something that pops up. They have voice actors who can do that. He wants to keep his Joker that way. So, I honestly feel like it probably will end up being, I don't feel like it'll be like the, the team that they've got going with with what they're doing with, uh, these animated, the, you know, the current animated universes. I don't feel like they're gonna use the same actors from that. I, I would not, I would, I would honestly put money down that it'll be Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill in that film.
2: And you know, Stella Bowman as Barbara Gordon.
1: <laughs> to relive it over and over again. Oh, Do you know what gosh. the worst part is? I think you're right, and I don't, I hope it's not Mark Hamill. I mean, and it's not cause I don't like his performance. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. But the voice of the Joker from the Arkham games or more importantly, Batman, the animated series doesn't fit with the Joker and that's true. And Killing I mean, Joke. to a degree, I, I feel Mark like Campbell. that is true.
0: I feel like that is true, but I feel like the Arkham games, he did a different, it wasn't the same exact Joker that he did in the animated series and the animated movies and stuff. I feel like he did make it darker. He, because it was supposed to be darker. Um, and yeah, I feel yeah. like he could do it. I mean, don't get me wrong.
1: He might be a little busy with this Star Wars thing. I've heard about. I heard well, that it's going to be big.
0: Well, but at the same time, Star Wars. He's already done filming Star Wars,
1: and we're still a year away from the movie coming out. I just don't know if I could, like, you know. I mean, because a Killing Joke is pretty dark, man. You know. I mean, like, like put it like this. You saw. Maybe dark that man? will be his last thing.
0: Then he goes out with like being uh, in this really, really dark thing. I mean, like, I'm not gonna. Again, I guess this is somehow ruining it, but those of you who know the killing joke and those of you who played Arkham Knights know that there's a lovely scene that Stella plays on repeat over and over yeah, again on real. YouTube of the killing joke scene of, you know, Joker coming to Barbara Gordon. I won't ruin anything for those of you. I don't know how many of you, if you haven't oh, read, you know, if, you, if you haven't read Ark, uh, the Killing Joke, and you haven't played Arkham Knight, please message us and let us know so I can be fully aware of how many of our
1: listeners are actually not. And aware how many of these listeners I can things.
2: shake their hands? Gosh darn
1: it! But I, yes, the other thing to remember too is, and think about Dark Knight Returns. You remember that animated those animated movies? Yes. Do you think like Hamill's voice will work for that Joker? Because that's definitely in the same vein as the Killing Joke Joker. You know what I'm saying? Like, isn't that kind of similar to what we've seen in an animated form before, would be the Dark Knight Returns Joker?
0: Yeah, but I think the thing with those was that they needed older voices. That's true. And I don't think he comes across – like. I, I mean, I guess maybe he could try to make his voice sound older. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much limitations are. I, you know, I'm not a voice actor. I just speak into a mic here for the podcast. But I, I don't know what the limitations are for how you can make your voice sound as far as like making your voice sound older or younger and things like that. To know whether or not it would actually be extremely difficult for him to do that, I felt at the time before they announced the cast that I thought maybe he was going to do that, but they went a different route and they did something different, which. You know, it, it was it didn't turn out badly. So I mean, like it is what it is. But I feel like this project has been talked about so much yeah, and it was it really talked has. about, and he's been linked to the project for so long because people wanted him to be a part of it. I just feel like it has to happen. Although, you know, it'd be a really, really, really twisted way of doing it. They tell the uh, killing joke, but in, in the style of Batman the animated series, where you remember at the end of. The animated series run before Batman Beyond picked up, there was that mystery of Batwoman. Right. Where there was this extremely awkward conversation between Barbara and oh, Bruce Wayne where they were potentially having like some sort of like weird relationship. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. What happens if they went from that direction and then did the killing joke and they just were like, we're gonna do this as a continuation from the animated series. How messed up would that be? So you're
1: saying the capstone for Paul Dini's Batman the Animated Series becomes Batgirl and Batman dating and the killing joke paralyzation of Barbara Gordon? I'm just trying to mess with stuff. Just spitballing, okay.
2: All right. yes. I do all this hard work for you at SDCC. This is how I get <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, so moving into our last bit, uh, we have one listener response from the last episode. I'm guessing the majority of you were too wrapped up in all of our other coverage to leave your comments, but Gary, who also happens to review comics on the website, sent us a message and he says, regarding our discussion on variant covers, I spoke with my local mom and pop comic book store here in New York City. They said that sales do increase when a variant cover comes out and many people buy both versions of the comic. However, they are never sure how many of each version to order and it always feels like a crapshoot. While they appreciate the increased sales, the uncertainty of knowing how many books to order and the percentage of each cover to get makes them uneasy and they are never sure if the market. It's going to re- reach saturation with variants, causing them to overorder. I agree with the comments about liking Black Canary number one. Setting a story in the rock clubs is a very is very different from anything else out there, and the art is unique. I don't know much about Black Canary, so I have ordered some of Gail Simone's Birds of Prey trades and wondered what else I can pick up to learn more about Black Canary. Any advice would be appreciated. Well, before I continue, Stella, what would you suggest if he wants to learn about Black Canary?
2: Yeah. um... I would recommend um Longbow Hunters. Ooh. Uh just as that's a bit like not nice things happen to her, but I think it would be good to at least see um her relationship with uh with Ollie. I there's an um a trade paperback. Now I don't it's Green Arrow and Black Canary and it's basically their best stories and I really feel like you get to know a lot about her. Uh, through her interact through her interaction and relationship with green arrow so i would definitely go with that and uh yeah definitely birds of prey i think is is where it's at though she's appeared she had her own series in the 90s i believe it was 92 and i will um pimp out a a podcast that uh there's a guy now i don't know his name but uh you could definitely email him and it's um it's- there you go. <laughs> it was. You I don't know his, his name. Inside but else. Know his him name. Out. <laughs> no, his first name is Ryan, but I can't remember what so his So email name <laughs> him <laughs> at
0: Ryan at the Black
1: Canary Podcast. <laughs> that. Ryan That's at google.com. <laughs>
2: No, it's flowers and fishnets. Flowers and fishnets, and he's actually going through—not um, like in sequential order—her appearance, but I, I think definitely he would be. I'm so sorry, I don't remember his last name, but I know that it's Ryan. And there you go. But birds of prey, I think, is is where it's at. So you're not you're not doing. It, are they starting with the Gil Simone? Like, why can't he get the Chuck Dixon stuff?
0: Well, no, he definitely could. No, no, okay. no. They. The thing is. From a retailer standpoint, because little do a lot of people know, I actually sell trade paperbacks and comics myself. Really? Not, not in a comic book brick and mortar store. I'm one of those horrible people that sell stuff online. But the, uh, the, the trades for birds of prey, the very early stuff is extremely, is actually really expensive. Like some of the early trades from the, the you know, the first printings, because they were published over 10 years ago, they're very difficult to find. The Gail Simone stuff is actually very, very cheap. You're talking like you could get you could get a com you could get a trade of Gail Simone's Run on Birds of Prey for like ten bucks with free shipping. Um, but the but they're they're not as popular as the early stuff. You go you, if you go real far back if you go real early into the Birds of Prey run, the Chuck Dixon stuff's also really good. But um, I would also suggest there's a couple of one shots. Um. Or, no it was the uh no it wasn't one shots it was a mini series there was two mini series before the birds of prey main series actually launched there was the uh revolution and yep. manhunt
2: and wolves isn't there
0: oh wolves Yeah, wolves was the other one wolves and manhunt all right wolves and
2: man. wolves comma
0: and revolution yeah yeah wolves and revolution those are two mini series they're collected in trades too. those are a little bit easier to find. Um they're because they've reprinted them. Uh check those out as well. Uh especially if you want to learn more about but also keep in mind that the black canary that we're seeing here is deriving from the new fifty-two version. Yeah. So just keep yeah. that in mind when you're reading that. But continuing on with your comments.
1: And don't forget you're forgetting something pretty
2: violent. Yeah, don't forget Ed and then come back to me because I yeah. remembered his name.
1: Yeah we Ryan at Google.com. Um <laughs> don't I would also put out there, and these are available very cheap too, is Justice League of America Volume Two, started around 2006 yep. or 2007, where Black Canary was the leader of the team for quite some time. It's true, yeah. And mm-hmm. that those are really good Black Canary stories if you want to see her interaction with the bigger DC universe.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she was also a member of the Justice society of america back when jeff johns was writing it so his name is ryan daly i just remembered it and also there's you know those archive editions that they have a different characters they actually have one a black canary yes but again um you know if you're pumped for the the annie Wu and brendan fletcher version that you're reading what you're getting us to tell you here are a completely different version but but uh you know She's awesome, so I definitely. Nonetheless,
0: right. if you're trying to learn about the character, yes, absolutely. don't yes. read the stuff from before the Annie Wu, Brendan Fletcher stuff, outside of the stuff that happened in Backroll, because if you start reading okay. Team 7, you're going to get super confused with everything before the new 52. But anyway, uh, he says, while on the topic of Gail Simone, mm-hmm. I have to say that I did like Secret Six number three in a guilty pleasure sort of way. There's something about having this group of degenerates living in white bread suburbia that appeals to me. I'm a city person and have lived in the suburbs. So I know how that feels. I'm not sure where the story is going, but I'm going to keep an eye on it for now. I know that there are some strong opinions of, on Miss Simone's work. And I'd love to hear your take on some of things that she has done in the past. I will just say this. Okay. We, we have strong opinions, mostly on her back run, not very big fans, she actually did some really good stuff with Birds of Prey before the New 52, in my opinion. Like not not as good as some of the Chuck Dixon stuff, but I feel like she did a good job with Birds of Prey. Uh not right before the New 52, because there was that short-lived uh Birds of Prey series that kind of dealt with brightest day that I wasn't real big fan of. But the uh her birds of prey stuff was good. I never liked her Secret Six stuff before the New 52 and I I don't like her it will run but that that it is what it is
2: but her birds of prey stuff I think she's just a different writer from 52 and I think a lot of it honestly came from mandates um but her birds of prey stuff is actually really solid And I know that her Wonder Woman stuff, uh, pre-New 52 was getting a lot of rave reviews as well.
0: (laughs) Finally, some thoughts on your discussion of the direction of DC post-convergence. I'm fairly new, I'm a fairly new comic book reader and don't have the investment in continuity that more experienced readers like yourselves have. I have read many of the Convergence books and they were hit and miss. However, it did open up parts of the DCU that I never knew existed. I would be open to reading a six or twelve issue series set in the Red Rain universe or even in the or even a Captain Carrot book for a short run. It wouldn't have to be a Batman Superman book either. For example, if the new Black Canary title does well, they could capitalize on it with a story of her in another universe. This could be used to develop audiences for minor characters and also give people like me a feel for the richness of DC's history. Another great podcast. Anyway, another great podcast, and I look forward to hearing your reports out of Comic-Con in three weeks. Well, hopefully we made your day by not being three weeks away, but only two. Um, as far as convergences, like as we said, we're going to get some miniseries. They're going to start out with three. We're going to see some stuff uh, with Grant Morrison with Multiversity 2 eventually sometime. I assume that Grant Morrison won't be the only one writing those Multiversity I, I feel like Multiversity 2 is going to be the area where we're going to actually probably start seeing some of those Elseworlds. That they won't call Elseworlds anymore, but like the Red Rain, Gotham by Gaslight. Like, that's the kind of, that, that's where probably we'll end up seeing that stuff. It'll take some time. I mean, now that we have, uh, you know, we, we've had Superman Earth One, we've had Batman Earth One. Last year, Teen Titans Earth One came out. They've announced that there's going to be a Flash Earth One, an Aquaman Earth One. Um, so they're expanding Earth One. Obviously there's still a Batman, there's, there's, second volumes of Batman and Superman Earth One and there's we know that there's gonna be a third volume of Earth One for that. I feel like DC is transitioning into this, you know, graphic novel phase where they're going to start doing a lot more graphic novels, which is not a bad thing by any means because there's there they don't have to be set on a specific release schedule. They can release them. The artists can take their time, they can do quality work. I feel like that's what what DC is doing, especially with the announcement of the black and white uh, the black and white graphic novels, the Multiversity 2, More Earth 1. I feel like they're, that's the direction they're gonna be going. And honestly, when you look at it, you know, we've talked about this before about the, the price of comics in general. The, when, when you look at the price of a comic, it, it's, 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 it's expensive. It really is. I mean, like, you're basically paying $3 for maybe 10 minutes worth of entertainment. I mean, there's no other form of entertainment out there right now that you pay that much legally. <laughs> okay. I was uh, so waiting for that one. Yes. <laughs> but because like realistically, I mean, like you could pay, you, you know, even if you, you went to the movies and you, you know, movie tickets are ridiculously priced too. You pay $20 for a movie ticket. You're still getting like two hours worth of entertainment, which is still, I mean, that's the equivalent to like six comic books, which is only about maybe an hour's worth of time. So I mean, like, Comics are expensive, but when it comes to a graphic novel, it takes a lot longer to read those, but they're, they're more, they're, some of them are about the same price of a, of a trade. And in some ways, I feel like the trades, DC succeeds in trades and they succeed in graphic novels. And I feel like not that they're not succeeding in individual comics, but I feel like they're focusing a lot more effort onto the graphic novel side of stuff, which You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, who knows how long these Multiversity 2 projects will happen or the Batman black and white stuff. But the Earth 1 stuff is already in motion, you know, so I could end up seeing tons of graphic novels. You know, we could get to the point a year from maybe not a year from now, but maybe two years from now where every single month we get at least one actual brand new new content graphic novel. It's entirely possible. And I feel like that could be the direction that they could go to still try to have a decent, you know, chunk of the market share because those graphic novels, you could, you might not sell as many as a single issue. If you sold a quarter, they're worth a ton more money.
1: Well, yeah. And think about it as the earth one line gets bigger. So you've got Superman, Batman, Flash, Aquaman. And I have to imagine there's probably a Wonder Woman coming and Teen Titans, right? Like, if you just got to the point where you were releasing one of them a year, and that's not a lot, right? Yeah. That's, that's six or seven months just with the Earth One books. And you throw in a couple other ones, and you, you can easily do one a month. Um, as a guy who really likes the and format Sands, the looking glass, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's, I mean, I would love to get one a month. I think that that would – to be honest with you, if we were getting one a month, I'd probably – be looking forward to those the way I look forward to the, uh, like the Batman Snyder book right now, because I think that would be absolutely great. Yeah.
0: So now that we've, uh, chattered your ear off for over two hours, uh, hopefully you enjoyed all of our news and, uh, hopefully you enjoyed this extra episode since, we're all assuming you weren't going to get an episode until next week. But the plus side is that you actually still will get an extra episode next week, not an extra episode. The original episode planned. Uh, Ed and I w- – well, well, the three of us will be back for the – the three of us will be back for the next episode uh, that will release a week from now. We'll be covering Batman and Detective Comics as well as the last – well, the the three weeks that we haven't covered of DC Spotlight, and then we'll get back on schedule with every two weeks after that. So you can look forward to a new episode from us again next week, which I know you're just all dying to know. But as a reminder, be sure to leave your comments in the comment section of the uh, podcast over on the website. Those are always greatly appreciated. Number one, to know that we actually have people listening to us. Cause it's always great to actually know that people are listening. But the other point of it is, you know, to discuss things. And if you guys have questions about things, we're here to answer them. That's, you know, we're not just here to chat your ear off. So sure we are. with that, yeah, well, maybe Ed is yeah. Ed's probably here just to chat your ear off, but with that, that is everything Why for this. Why did we
2: ever bring him on in the first place? Josh Why did we Charlie? ever bring
0: you on? Oh, oh. I'm just. Piling it on,
1: I'm Boy, I'm wait, wait, we we record on start. Wednesdays. It gets weird. <laughs> a, yeah, it does.
0: I'm gonna start. I'm gonna. I won't say that out loud. Never mind. Ah, um, uh, where was
2: I? What are you about to do?
0: Nothing. I'm about to end this podcast. I'm trying to remember
1: what I was saying. It's about, it's about to end this <laughs> website <All right>. <laughs> forever. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. Um. Just, just as a quick heads up, I am currently looking for a one or two people to help review comics on the website, specifically the DC related books. Uh, we are specifically looking for people to review Justice League United, Earth 2 Society, Justice League, Red Hood and the Arsenal. Uh, Earth to Society. So if you are interested in reviewing any of those books, please get in touch with us, any one or two of those books. We have five books that we need covered, people. Five books and then we're good. Um So until. if you – and yeah, I guess until somebody else leaves. But – the more people – so I guess if you're also interested in any of the other books that I didn't mention, let me know and maybe we can split some stuff up here and there and uh, spread the load out. But I'm looking for them and I'm looking for them pretty, pretty promptly because I need people to fill those gaps before the beginning of August. So if you are interested, get a hold of us, tbu at the and let me know if you are interested in reviewing any of those books. In addition to that, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, as well as our join our Facebook group. I just want to point out the differences. One of the things that uh, happened over the course of San Diego was people suddenly realized how important it is to follow us on social media. As we were live tweeting the entire Batman vs. Superman WB panel on Saturday, and, and we also posted up. Immediately, clips uh, or the the trailer for Batman vs Superman when it released. So the important thing is the when you follow us on on uh, Facebook, when you just follow us, it's basically you're just going to see us see the news articles as they post. That's what you're going to see. Join our Facebook group, you get to talk about the news articles that we post. You follow us on Twitter for the most up to date stuff as it happens. A lot of times, I actually retweet things dealing with like specials on Batman stuff. You know, if there's a sale on something that's Batman related, I tweet that stuff out. Uh, I tweet out, I retweet things that, uh, creators make comments about that could potentially be hinting at things coming in the future. That's where you go. If you want to find out the, the nitty gritty of the Batman universe. So just be aware that if you're only following us on our Facebook group, you're missing out on a huge chunk of our social media aspects. Anyway, also, leave us reviews on iTunes, those are always greatly appreciated, and as well as be sure to check out the website for all the news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and, of course, the comics. Also, be sure to check out all of the other podcasts. You have the fortunate... Uh, ability to listen to this podcast before all of the other podcasts we have to offer, give their rundown of events that happened at San Diego. There was obviously tons of other stuff that happened not related to the comics that will be covered on the Batman universe podcast, the bat fans podcast, back to the Oracle and Bruce Wayne's world. So be sure to check out all of the other podcasts to find out all of the other Batman universe stuff that occurred at San Diego with that. That is everything. I know it's a lot, but I'm just, you know, we've been here for a while, and like I, like, like Ed said, when we record on weekdays, it gets a little crazy. So that's everything for this episode. This is Dustin.
1: This is Ed.
2: This everybody loves the Stella, (laughs) except for my (laughs) co-hosts. And
0: you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys next week.